This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allows members to request future stories and themes. Thank you for listening. This podcast contains mature content and is intended for an adult audience only. It contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of all stories is fiction with any similarities to real people or events being purely coincidental. This podcast is not intended for anything but entertainment of the listener, and if you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. Love's Curse Part 3 by Catanceris Chapter 14 Her head was throbbing as she opened her eyes to the bright sunlight streaming in. She had lost count of the days she had been here with Beast and Lin but last night's events were still fresh in her mind. How had she managed to get them from the woods to here? The few possibilities she thought of were instantly cast aside as improbable. No some other force was at work here. She shivered. Her mother used to whisper stories of magic and oddities to her when she was younger but had stopped when father had flown into a rage and proclaimed that such garbage would not be told in his house. Sighing she dressed in the pale blue wool gown and sat before the vanity and brushed her hair which had grown longer than she was used to having it. It meant it took twice as long to fix but she found that time soothing. Her stomach rumbled, reminding her that she hadn't eaten yet. Promptly, as if he had known she was hungry without being there, a knock came through the hardwood door. Miss Lalandra? Are you decent? Lynn asked from the other side. Yes, Sir Lynn, I am dressed. She decided that since he was being formal she must do the same. She grieved at the loss of the personal way they had begun to relate to each other. Going back to the way he spoke to her when they first met her. The sound of the lock turning echoed through the room, the door slowly sliding inwards and revealing the usual serving tray that bore her daily breakfast. I hope you are hungry this morning, my lady. He walked farther into the room and politely lifted the lid from the plate, revealing a steaming hot breakfast. He bowed towards her and spoke in a polite tone. I shall return when you are done, my lady. He turned towards the door, beginning to walk towards it. It was too much, she let out a choked cry and ran toward Lynn but stopped a foot short of him, her hand outstretched, her gaze pleading. Lynn! Just a whisper but it spoke eloquently of her remorse. He paused as he heard her outburst of emotion. Slowly he turned and looked at her, a small smile gracing his lips as he looked at her. I apologize for upsetting you, I am very protective of my master. I have been with him since before he was born. He paused and looked towards the large windows for a moment, memories crossing his expression as he did so. It is difficult to accept that he will get hurt protecting those he cares for. He should not be getting hurt. A surprising admission from her. I am being stupid and fearful and my mother, if she were alive, would be very ashamed of me right now. I'd probably gotten a beating too for being so rude to one who rescued me from a fate worse than death. The words were sincere, her repentance genuine. Gently he laid his hands upon her shoulders, his smile widening as he looked into her damn eyes. I can see you are genuinely repentant, Lalandra. I forgive you for your foolishness. Please eat, I will stay and talk with you if you wish. A breath she didn't know she was holding escaped. Thank you. Returning to her seat she began eating. Yesterday. She gulped. Yesterday you told me give him what he needs. What did you mean? Well, he has led a rather lonely life for many years now. He has felt the burden of loneliness. He is simply looking for a companion. Someone to talk to. Someone to make the years worth living. Tension fled from her shoulders and she slumped in her seat feeling foolish. She had thought that all Beast wanted was sex. It was what all the stories said. What he had tried to take from her the first day of her arrival at his home. But now Lin sat before her telling her that Beast was lonely. It boggled the mind. You're saying he needs a friend? Lin nodded, sighing quietly and rubbing the back of his aged hands. So many can only see the beast on the outside, someone struggling with things he cannot control. Inside he is simply someone looking for a friend, yes. She pondered this as she finished her food. How many times in the past had she longed for a friend? 
Someone who was kind and not cruel. Someone who would understand her even when no one else did. If that was all that Beast wanted then she could relate to that. So that's it. Only a friend? Nothing more? He wishes only for a companion. He highly doubts you would want anything more and does not expect it. A friend is all he is hoping for. Someone to listen when no one else will. I see. I, I think I would like that. She stood then. Is he still resting? If not I would like to see him if I may. He is awake and resting in bed. I'm sure he would like to talk to you Lilandra. There are some things you need to discuss. Such as certain boundaries. She blushed. Yes, that would be a good idea. I am ready when you are, sir. He nodded, slowly rose from the chair, and held his arm out for her to take. Then we shall go see the master. She took his arm and let him lead the way to Beast's room. Her heart was racing as she tried to think of things to talk about that would not make her feel uncomfortable. Lin reached out and rapped sharply on the door and waited a moment for a reply. A low growl of enter was heard before he gently pushed the door open, revealing his master sitting up in bed, bloody bandages laying loosely on the bedside table. There was no hesitation on her part. She entered the room, though her shy gaze fell on Beast and then away again. She could and would do this. He was lonely too and the least she could do was talk to him. Talk never hurt anyone. He looked at Lelandra with those deep dark eyes of his that seemed menacing in all lights, his claw extended towards the chair, indicating her to sit. There was the soft click of the door behind her as Lin closed it once more, to give the two time alone to discuss what needed to be said. Lelandra straightened up and walked unflinchingly over to the seat and sat down. This time her eyes were on his face. I owe you an apology for everything I've done wrong. I can't stand to see others hurt because of my foolishness. You are forgiven, Lalandra. I know what it is like to live in shame. He closed his eyes, taking slow breaths, trying to ignore the aches that were pulsing through his body. She felt that strange tug on her heart again. I was very shameful too. My mother loved me but my father, he only wanted to use me to make money. Then she died and left me alone with him and my brothers. He did not care about my feelings. He made me a slave in our home. I had to wait on everyone hand and foot, and if I forgot or messed up, I was punished severely. You saw some of the marks the first day I met you. He nodded once again, gently taking her hand in his, the warm fur silky smooth against her skin. You need not ever worry about being treated like that ever again, Lelandra. Please do not make promises that you cannot keep. You don't know my father. He was not happy at being parted from me. I saw it in his face when the mayor took me. Father is bidding his time, no doubt coming up with a way to get me back. She shuddered. I do not wish to go back there, ever. But of course my behavior lately would contradict my words. I've been so ungrateful. She looked ready to cry. A slightly smug look crossed his face as he spoke next, hiding something from her. Trust me on this young one, he will not be doing anyone any more harm again. She believed him. He had yet to lie to her. Her credibility was not as good at the moment, but she was going to change that. So, um, nice weather. He turned his head to the window for a moment, noting the pouring rain outside. For ducks, yes. He smiled and laughed softly, wincing slightly as he did so. You need not put up false images here. If you have something to ask then please do. Lin said you needed a friend. She blurted out and then blushed. He looked down at the covers a moment before sighing and smiling. I guess my secret is out then. I admit I have been longing for a companion of sorts for some time now. Someone to talk to on long nights who isn't constantly obsessing over my health. Lilandra laughed. He does fuss a lot, doesn't he? She blushed. Oh, I'm sorry. I should not criticize my elders. Another laugh and wince came from Ares, his furry hand lightly patting hers. How I have longed to finally hear someone agree with me on that. All my life he has been fussing over me. Sometimes I'm glad to escape into the night. Except when you have to save stupid girls like me. Do not worry about that young one. It has been some time since I have flexed these muscles in such a manner. It was refreshing in a way. Are you sure? I really am truly sorry for my part in all of this. My father always said I was stupid. Maybe he is right. No. No, Lelandra, he was anything but right. You know so much in your beautiful head that I am surprised it does not explode with all the knowledge your curiosity has granted you. Your father was an evil man who is much better off dead and the world is a better place because of it. Her eyes fastened on his face. What do you mean? 
Was an evil man? Do you know something I do not? She moved from her spot and came closer to him. What are you saying, Sir Beast? The beast looked at her for a moment, trying to determine whether this was a good idea or not, telling her that her father was now fertilizing the forest floor via wolf droppings could backfire on him if he wasn't careful. I am saying, Lilandra, that your father committed a serious crime by abusing you in such a way and he was executed shortly after his crimes came to light. Lilandra sank to her knees stunned. She wasn't sure if she was going to cry or laugh. Celebrating didn't cross her mind. Despite the fact that her father had been cruel to her for the last few years, she remembered him before he had turned that way. Tears rolled down her cheeks unnoticed. Reaching out, his soft fur brushed against her cheek, wiping the tears away. Are you all right, Lilandra? Hi, what will my brothers do? I wonder if they are all right? Oh, she cried, wringing her hands. They may have been horrible to her, but they were still the only family she had. They will be fine. They are strong-willed and capable of looking after themselves. Do not worry. I don't know why I feel this way. They were so mean to me. Hurt me, even tried to rape me but yet I feel worry. Is this right? Is there something wrong with me? Absently she stroked his fur, seeking comfort. He shook his head, watching her. No, not at all. You have a good soul inside you, worrying about those you care about. Family is the most important thing in the world. I don't think I ever properly thanked you. You do not need to thank me, Lilandra. I do what must be done to ensure your future is safe. She stirred restlessly then. She needed some air. She started to rise but then looked at him and made a decision. Would you come walk with me? He tilted his head for a moment before nodding and carefully moving out of bed, wincing as he swung his legs out. Oh, or maybe not. She wrung her hands, shuffling nervously. Maybe we'd better not. Lin will yell at me. I, I don't want him upset again. No, no, Lin won't yell at you. Just give me a moment till I get my balance. Please pull the chair over so I can lean on it. She grabbed the chair and put it near him and carefully stood by his side so that if necessary, he could lean on her. A heavy claw laid on her shoulder in the chair, most of his weight being put on the chair, making it groan, but enough was placed upon her to cause a strain. She locked her knees and gritted her teeth. She felt his claws dig slightly into her flesh but she didn't make a sound. Such pain was minimal compared to the things her father had done. She still couldn't believe he was dead. The thought would take some getting used to. He was on his feet, sighing softly as he stretched his sore wings before settling them once more. Thank you, Lilandra, please lead the way. Bowing, she opened the door and went out into the hallway. What she really wanted was to go to the garden. She knew it was more than likely lifeless, but she had felt at peace outside and that's where she needed to go. She was conscious of beasts beside her, and she felt a strange heat course through her body. With the quiet clicking of talons on the hard floor, he followed her lead, gazing at the paintings as he did so. I trust Lynn told you that we would be discussing some ground rules now that you are staying here. Her heartbeat sped up and fear tickled her mind. Yes, sir. He did. Firstly, if you are told you must not enter a section then I expect you to honor it. Straying into places you must not go will not be tolerated. I understand. I know better. I was rude to go where I was forbidden to do so. It will not happen again. Thank you, I appreciate it. Next, when I tell you to do something, such as a chore or a meal or gardening, you will do so without question. Lynn will show you where things are till you learn their place. This will not happen often, mostly during spring and autumn when the planting and harvesting commences. We have large stocks and plentiful larders to hold the fields of produce we create. I am no stranger to hard work. I'd prefer to do something rather than sit and do nothing. Excellent, the final thing I will say is that you will be required to make some important decisions from time to time. The first of these will be where you would like to go today. She paused and glanced at him. Me? Make important decisions? Confused, she didn't respond. Was this a trick to ensure her loyalty to Beast and Lin? Or was it some test that if she failed they would keep her locked up? Indeed, Lin will not be around forever. He will need someone to help him later on in life. Helping I do well. She stopped in front of the garden door. The rain had stopped outside and though it was winter, she had learned that they had a greenhouse on Beast's lands, and she had been wanting to see it. If it pleases you, I'd like to see the greenhouse. He raised an eyebrow for a moment as she asked this, considering if he should. The only two people who had been permitted entrance were Lin and Ares himself. Oh? 
Very well, we shall take a stroll through the humid expanses of my greenhouses. But I will make one thing clear. Do not touch a single thing growing in there. Harsh consequences befall those who do, and they are not delivered by myself or Lin. He let the silent threat hang in the air, testing her for a moment to see if it would click in her mind that most of the plants growing there were brimming with poisonous venom. A shiver ran along her spine, her mouth suddenly going dry. Yes, beast. I will not forget. She would follow any and all directions he gave. She had told Lin she would be beast's friend and friends had to trust each other. He nodded his head for a moment and felt a slight smile come to his face, revealing the hundreds of razor-sharp needle-like fangs that inhabited his jaws. He held his arm out for a moment as he spoke next. Good, I hope you enjoy our little tour then, Lelandra. A moment's hesitation but then she put her hand on his arm. The beast had an odd gait when he walked on his two hind legs. He towered over her smaller slight form but instead of it scaring her, it comforted her. As they walked along the garden paths, the air seemed colder than it should. Gradually the path turned to gravel and the shrubs turned to harsh-looking bushes, their branches like gnarled fingertips stretching from the ground. She pressed closer to Beast, the evil of the place repelling her. She wanted to turn back but she refused to act cowardly. It only brought trouble. She started when she looked up and saw they had reached the door of the greenhouse. The blackened wood of the doors gave off a deep, rough odor as they were pushed open, overwhelmed quickly though, by the suddenly pleasant aroma of the mysterious plants within the greenhouse. Ah! A pleased gasp as she glanced about taking in the beauty of the flora surrounding her. She did not move from Beast's side, remember his warning about the plants. The aromas that wafted from the plants beside her were surprisingly enticing, as if telling her to come and touch them. The heady sense toyed with her, tempting her to examine them. The pull was strong and her body swayed toward the flowers. Such lovely smells. As the scents danced before her eyes, they seemed hypnotic, drawing her in closer, closer. Suddenly the air shuddered and a rumble of thunder rattled the glass roof with its force. Behind her, Beast sniffed and rubbed his nose on his furry arm, muttering, Damned flowers! This might have been a bad idea. She murmured, her words beginning to slur. It will teach you a valuable lesson, Lelandra. Just remember not to touch anything. No matter how much you want to. Your senses won't always be telling you the truth. His words sounded strange to her ears and she gave him a puzzled frown. Her head felt, well she wasn't sure. She was having trouble getting her thoughts in order. Staggering she bumped into Beast and went down to one knee, clutching at his fur, trying to anchor herself. He stood there, silent for a moment as he looked down at her. Carefully he offered his claw. It takes some getting used to. Just remember to breathe deep and take your time. She struggled to follow his instructions. If only she wasn't getting so sleepy. He sighed softly and couldn't help but roll his eyes. Some people just didn't have the tolerance for these flowers. With a delicate touch, he lightly poked the tip of his claw into her upper arm, only just enough to pierce the skin. Yelping, her drooping eyelids flew open and she glared at Beast. Oh, that hurt. Good, if it didn't I'd have to carry you back. This first part of the greenhouse is home to the legendary kindness thorn bush. Its heady scent contains a powerful neurotoxin that induces a state of drowsiness which can only be broken by pain. Oh? Heat colored her cheeks and she found that she was more focused as she looked at the plant. Its deceptive pink petals and pale green center had snared her with its beauty. She hadn't been ready for the scent and now she knew to be wary of it. Moving closer to him, she waited for him to go farther into the greenhouse. He slowly continued, keeping an eye on her in case she felt the urge to stray once again. Most of the specimens in here are fatal to the touch. Others are simply a powerful paralytic. You will need to learn how to recognize these since this land, especially the forest, is populated with many of them. Yes, my lord. Are there any that are lethal just as they are? One that could save your life if attacked? In here? Almost all of them are lethal. They will kill anyone who comes near them or who touches them. They do not discriminate between friend or foe. If you are chased into an area with such plants, the only way to survive is to know how they will kill you. I see. Her mind was whirling at the implications. Please continue. I do not wish to die from a flower's wrath. Then it may be best if we do not visit the night roses. He let the statement hang in the air for a moment, wondering if she would be daring enough to go there. Roses? You have more roses? A smile lit her face at the prospect of seeing roses. Indeed I do, Lelandra, but they are not for the faint of heart to view face to face.
The one you saw in the cabinet was a dead specimen. Alive they are far more dangerous than you can imagine. How can they be more dangerous? True roses have thorns but still. She trailed off, waiting for him to explain. These Lalandra are no ordinary roses. These are night roses. They say to gaze upon one of these living flowers is to have your very soul ripped from within you, and to touch its perilous thorns is to experience a death worse than a thousand blades slicing at your skin. If they are dead they hold no power but if I were to look at them now I would die. Lalandra shuddered at the thought. No, to touch their thorns you would die. To look at them would most likely shatter your mind into a thousand glinting shards of insanity. Strangely enough they do not seem to affect me. Oh. She squeaked and kept her gaze on his face though for some strange reason she wanted to stare at the flowers for a long time. Beast opened his jaws gradually, displaying row upon row of razor-sharp needle-like fangs. A long, low rumble was heard from his throat growing slowly louder until it could be distinguished, oddly enough as a yawn. My lord are you tired? He shook his head slightly and ruffled his wings. No more than usual, the scent of the roses occasionally causes me to yawn. I find it rather soothing. It makes me. She faltered to a halt. The memory and feelings she had felt when her night lover, Ares, had come stealing into her room was awakened by the scent of the roses wafting into her nose. You are right, maybe we should go back. If you so desire that, but I thought that you wanted to see the roses properly? He raised an eyebrow for a moment, his piercing eyes holding an inquiring twinkle to them, masking the usual savage murderous glint that normally resided there. Oh that is right. You do have other plants than these beauties here. Yes, I would like to see the others please. Unconsciously her hand snaked out and caressed the petals, though her gaze was elsewhere. Immediately his vice-like grip clamped around her wrist, jerking it back from the petals. I shall have to make a note to bring the manacles next time. She cried out more from surprise than pain. The word manacles made her blanch. No, please, beast, I am sorry. Not to keep your prisoner, Lalandra. He released her hand from his soft yet unyielding grip. It's so you don't end up accidentally maiming, poisoning, terrifying or killing yourself. Yes, beast. She looked down at her feet, afraid of making another mistake. The ease she had started to feel around him in the greenhouse was evaporating. He lightly patted her on the shoulder and chuckled softly. Do not worry, Lalandra. Lin himself has to wear a breathing mask when he is working in here. I see. It mollified her somewhat to know she could at least breathe without having to wear a mask. The other flowers, my lord? She quietly reminded him. Ah, yes, of course, this way, these others are slightly less dangerous than the ones we have seen so far. Just remember to keep your hands in your pockets. She looked down at her skirt and then at him. She didn't have pockets. Instead, she shyly put her hand in his paw and waited for him to lead the way. His claws gently wrapped around her hand, engulfing them in its warmth, quietly leading the way further into the greenhouse. His breathing was slow and regular, enjoying this quiet, peaceful moment between the two of them. She had not felt such inner quiet since her mother had died. Her mother always had that effect on others. No matter how mean her father could be, he had seemed to lose his rage whenever around her mother. She let Beast take her to the other flowers, which she ogled and ooed over. Several hours passed and reluctantly she mentioned it to him. I've had a wonderful time. But it is getting near evening. Lin will have my head if I keep you out here much longer. Glancing for a moment at the darkening sky he nodded in agreement. His change would be upon them if they were careless. You are right, young one. Let us head back before the cold night meets Lin's fiery temper and causes a hurricane. He chuckled softly for a moment at the image of that, turning and guiding her back towards the entrance of the greenhouses. Her steps slowed near the black roses, the urge to touch breathing along her skin. Ares felt the tug as she slowed and knew that it would be dangerous to bring her back here again. Lilandra? Remember what will happen if I am late in returning you to his care. Yes, Lin's ire. She shook off the feeling and hurried her steps. They made it back inside where a scowling Lin met them. You're late. Thankfully I kept dinner warm. Miss Lalandra, if you will go change, I will bring you down for dinner. Meekly she bowed her head. Yes, Lin. She hesitated, her shy gaze going to beast before she let go of his paw and followed the hall to her room. She was surprised Lin was allowing her to do so alone but she supposed the new trust had to start somewhere. Lin waited until Lalandra was gone before scolding Ares. My lord, you must be more aware of the time. There are only five hours left in the day. If you wish to woo her some more you must allow more time to do so. 
Come, I must clean you up and take you to the dining room before bringing down your lady. My apologies, Lin, the greenhouses were especially enchanting today. You should take some small bandages with you also, some of the flowers were a little too aromatic for her to handle today. He sighed for a moment as he watched her leave, wondering if she could really be the one to break his curse. She is a rare specimen, Lin. Never before have I met someone so fragile yet strong inside. She is more than what she appears and I'm sorry for misjudging her as well. I will take the bandages once I have you in the bath. And Ares, try to eat neatly. Lin opened the door to let Ares in. Enjoy the bath, sire. He ducked his head a moment to enter the room and nodded in response before he stumbled slightly, clutching his ribs and gasping. The change was upon him once again, its due time shifting with the season's elongating nights. I will make sure she comes down in an hour to have that dinner with you. I also managed to get one of the villagers who is not as afraid as the others to come play some music. Ares nodded once more, slowly rising from the floor and wincing as the last remnants of the toxins of the greenhouse escaped his system. Why do I suddenly have the urge to mate with a daffodil Lin? Have you been crossbreeding the greenhouses again? No, sir, but maybe it has something to do with Miss Lalander going in there with you. Ares tilted his head to the side thinking. Perhaps, perhaps. We shall have to see what other things develop in the meantime. Thank you, Lin, I appreciate your help tonight, as always. You will always have it. Now go soak. I'll meet you in forty-five minutes. Lin bowed and headed for Lalander's room. Lalandra was in her room trying to decide what to wear. Never had she this nervous. She felt different, and she didn't know why. Lin moved silently through the hallways, noting which areas would need a once-over with a duster as he neared his destination. Lightly he rapped on her door, waiting on her reply as he spoke. Miss Lalandra? Are you decent? Yes, Lin, please come in. She had laid two dresses on the bed. One was a brilliant emerald green and the other a shade of blue close to that of the ocean. Either would enhance her eyes and complement her skin. The door swung open and Lin stepped in smiling as he closed the door behind him. He gently placed the tray with the bandages on a side table. How was your trip to the greenhouses? My master was most pleased to have spent time with you this evening. The flowers were beautiful. I did not know so many were that deadly but I am aware now and will be careful. He was so nice to me and saved my life. She looked down at her hands, only then noticing the cuts and scrapes. Oh, I didn't see those before. Lynn nodded and hid a slight smile at her only noticing now. The master would like to offer his apologies. He usually has me there to pinch our guests out of their daydreams. Allow me to treat them so they don't get infected. Absently nodding she sat down at the table, her mind going back to the black roses. Has he always liked the black roses? He began his work as he spoke with her, his smile widening as he remembered Ares cultivating them. Oh yes, it has always been his dream to grow such fascinating plants. Beauty that holds such terrifying consequences. Not even the serpents of old dared to go near them and they were the most brutal fearless warriors one could ever encounter. Lin, I know you might think me silly but I, I think the flowers were talking to me. She blushed. He swiftly did up the bandages on her arms so they would not be too noticeable. That my lady I can certainly believe. I am not sure how but I think that somehow we have a forest nymph lurking in there somewhere. I've heard of those. Mother talked about them once, in a story she told me at bedtime. But the one she talked about lived in water. The dress that she finally chose would not interfere with the bandages. I need your help. I have two dresses to choose from. Ah uh, yes, water nymphs, I think the master has only met one. Unfortunately he was mad with hunger from two weeks without food and tried to eat her. They don't let him come close to them now. He slowly stood and walked over to the dresses to admire them. They both looking stunning. It will be quite difficult to choose which would be best. Does he prefer one color over another? She really wanted to please him. He had been so kind to her, and she had truly enjoyed spending time with him. I believe he has a penchant for blue, although it is sometimes hard to tell what the state he comes home in. One would think brown and red were his favorites. But yes, I'm firm in my belief that blue is his favorite. She had been leaning more toward the blue herself. There was something about the silk dress that made her feel all warm inside. I will wear the blue then. How much time before dinner? Dinner will be ready in around thirty minutes. I have prepared a feast which I hope is to both your likings. Thirty minutes? That's all. Out, out, I have to hurry. Thirty minutes was barely time to get the dress on and fix her hair. She fretted as she urged Lynn toward the door. 
Of course, of course. I will see if the master requires any help bathing. The rest of his sentence was cut off as the door closed behind him. He couldn't help but smile at the situation. Everything seemed to be going perfectly now. In a flurry she got dressed and then spent the remaining time brushing and fixing her hair. She had more questions to ask Beast and now that fear was not souring her emotions, she was curious and wanted to know more. Patiently she sat and waited for Lin to come back for her. At the thirty-minute mark there was another sharp rap on the door, the scent of glorious, well-cooked food wafted under the door. Miss Lalandra? Are you ready? Lin waited patiently on her reply. Yes, I'm ready. She smoothed her hands down her dress, took a deep breath and opened the door. Her hair was neatly braided and a flush stained her cheeks. Lin almost gasped in surprise at the vision of beauty before him and felt a grin form on his face. My goodness, Lalandra, you look absolutely stunning this evening. If the master does not notice I will swear he must have gone blind. She blushed a bright pink and fidgeted. Thank you, Lin. Her eyes dropped to the floor as she took his arm and let him take her to where Beast waited. He couldn't help but smile more at her shyness, glad Ares finally had someone who could relax around him, even if it did take a near-death experience to find her. He guided her along to a small dining hall, the room alight with candles and the scent of lavender as they entered. Oh, oh my! She stared at sight before her, mesmerized at the candles and inhaling the scent. She felt tears in her eyes but managed to hold them back. They were tears of happiness. Lin smiled once more as he guided her gently towards her chair at the table. Its elegant wooden face was laden with trays of hidden foods and decanters of strange and exotic wines. I am glad that you are happy with the layout Miss Lalandra. The master designed it himself. He did? She was awed. She hadn't known Beast had such fine taste. Her mouth watered. True the food she had eaten here had been better than that of the fair at home but this, this was even grander than anything she'd ever experienced. Where is he? Curiously she looked around. The master is currently grooming himself in his chambers. He wished to rid himself of the scent of the day's labors before he came to dinner. He can become rather aromatic after a day's work. He should be here in a few minutes. He pulled the chair out for her, allowing her to sit as he pushed it in, unconsciously wiping a speck of dust from the top of the shining veneered wood. No one, and I mean no one, has ever cooked me such a feast as this. How do I eat it all? Oh my! She became flustered. He could not help but let out a small chuckle at her astonishment. Do not worry. With the master no feast lasts till the morning. Do not feel embarrassed if you are not able to eat much. It is more of a challenge to get anything at all before he reaches this end of the table. Lin! Lalandra giggled as she imagined Beast eating everything in sight. At least he won't be hungry for a while. She replied, a smile on her face. I hope not. I do not think I could manage to cook this much every night. If you will excuse me I shall check to see if he is ready yet. He quietly turned and headed through the large doors once again, closing them behind him. It took Lin a few minutes to make it to his master's room. He knew that by now Ares had changed back to his beast form. He was going to check to make sure that his master's fur was clean and free of tangles. He also needed to remind him to watch his behavior and eating manners around Lalandra. Ares was standing under the great fountain-like shower that was in the rear of his chambers. Its original size would have been grand and superior for a normal human. In his beast form, however, it was only of moderate size for his frame. He stepped out of the shower just in time for Lin to enter and get drenched as he shook himself dry. Ah, good evening, Lin. How is Lalandra? Lin sighed. She is seated and waiting. The musician will be here in five minutes. You must hurry, my lord. The food is ready and your lady is waiting. Please be gentle. Of course I will be gentle, Lin, aren't I always? Besides it is dinner we are having not some kind of mating ritual. Calm yourself, Lin. It is only a meal. He chuckled as he flicked the last of the water from his wings while walking to the door. Wish me luck, dear friend. I think I may need it this night. Yes, much luck to you and to the lady. I will go and make sure the musician has arrived. Lin followed behind Ares and once they were in the hallway he went in a different direction. This was all very exciting and good fortune indeed. Ares took a long slow deep breath trying to quell the butterflies that were rising in his stomach. A lot was riding on this dinner, more than he liked to admit. If he made a mistake it could be disastrous. He reached forth with his two great clawed hands, clasping the handles gently and slowly pushed the two large decorated doors open, immediately drawing in a great breath of the succulent meats upon the table. Lin had gone all out this night.
He paused as he took in the great beauty of Lalandra seated at the table, and felt his heart groan within himself. Oh my lady Lalandra, you look absolutely ravishing this night. Beast! She hastily came to her feet, her cheeks a rosy pink. She had been daydreaming about how this dinner would go. Oh! She moved from her seat and dropped into a curtsy. She was overwhelmed by everything the feast, her clothes and the beast who looked very different, less terrifying and more approachable. Even his claws did not appear as lethal. And his words, they stirred feelings in her that she had begun to have but didn't quite understand. No one had looked at her the way he was looking at her now as if she was the most precious thing in the world. He in turn bowed low before her, showing her the same respect that she was showing him. As he rose he smiled as best he could, his fangs glinting in the light. I am glad to see that you are not too badly affected by our little trip into the greenhouse's Lalandra. I was a little concerned that Lynn would have skinned me alive for the marks I gave you. I hardly noticed them. He bandaged them. Good. I would prefer you did not become sick due to my actions. He smiled once more, approaching her and gently taking her hands in his, looking deep into her eyes. I am glad that you are here this night. It has been a long time since I have had company that is not terrified of me. I? She stopped and thought on his words. It was true. She wasn't scared of him like she was when she first had come to him. You are scary when you are angry but most of the time it is because I've done something foolish. But you are learning and growing wiser each day. I have not seen someone overcome their fears as quickly as you have. You are truly amazing Lalandra. He felt his mouth watering with the sense of the meal and his stomach begin to growl. I think perhaps we should begin, or my stomach may chew its way out of me to feed itself. Oh dear. Um, no we don't want that. She stepped back from him and hurried to her seat and sat. Her own stomach chose to growl at that moment and she laughed nervously. A soft chuckle came from him as he sat down across from her and watched her for a moment. It seems I am not the only ravenous beast here. Now let us enjoy this marvelous meal before it grows cold. Lynn makes such exquisite meals indeed. Lalandra began to eat. At first she didn't talk because she wasn't sure what to say. He lifted some of the pans from the large serving plates and took in the smell of each. Ah, wondrous indeed. So tell me Lalandra, if I may ask, what events brought about your situation with your family? I don't believe I have asked what happened to your mother. Lalandra froze in the middle of taking a bite. A flash of sorrow crossed her face before she shook herself and answered his question. My mother died a few years ago. She was a kind, gentle woman. She was the only one who could tolerate father. She did her best to make sure my brothers turned out differently from father but father's ways were too strong. My brothers didn't want to be gentlemen. They wanted to be like father, running with whomever and being lazy. Mother got sick one day and within a few months she died. By that time both of my brothers were married. Father waited one week before making me the house slave. My sisters-in-law did nothing. Her voice conveyed the deep bitterness she had experienced during those times. I am sorry to hear of such things. I remember a time long ago when such acts would have been dealt with swiftly. Alas, that time is long gone. But even through all the suffering you put up with, you are still strong and open-minded. I am glad you survived such torment. My only escape was the forest. Nothing bothered me there during the day. Of course, that's what led to the scars on my back. I lost track of time and father beat me. Everything went from bad to worse from that day on. Then I was brought to town and met you. You scared me a little but I was so happy to be away from my family that I didn't care if you were going to kill me or not. I never intended to kill you Lalandra. I felt your soul crying out and knew that you had to be rescued from the life of horrors that had been inflicted upon you. There may also have been a small bird that informed me of your circumstances. A small bird? I did not know birds talked. He couldn't help but smirk at this. He was fascinated by her innocence. It is a turn of phrase. This particular little bird is a handsome one with black hair and a rugged body. She gasped. You mean Ares? You know him. The prince nodded slowly. Indeed, he is an acquaintance of mine. We do not see each other often as his traveling schedule is a mystery, and he does not stay for long either. He prefers to meet with me alone. Oh. For some reason, his explanation didn't disappoint her as much as she thought it would. True, she liked Ares, but now that she was starting to enjoy Beast's company, she felt like a traitor forever feeling something for Ares to begin with. But do not worry yourself over him, Lalandra. To word it in a softer way, he prefers to play for his home team as it were. 
He slowly sliced through a thick steak with one of his claws, placing the piece in his mouth and chewing slowly. The reference was lost on her but his tone reassured her and she went back to eating. Shyly she asked? Where did Lin go? He is most likely making sure the musician has not run away screaming. Either that or he is picking out a fine wine for after dinner. How about both? Lin replied as he entered with a bottle of wine and the musician. Ari smiled wider as he saw the musician enter. He was, of course, blindfolded so he would not be terrified away. Ah, uh, thank you, Lin. I trust he did not require too much liquid courage? Just the right amount, my lord. He is ready when you are. Lelandra rose and felt a faint tremor run through her. She had never danced in her life. Her mother always said she was going to teach her but had never found the time. Beast looked up at her from his meal for a moment, concerned at the look on her face. Are you alright, Lelandra? I'm fine. I'm ready. She stammered, her hands running up and down her legs. She hadn't meant for him to see her unease at the prospect of dancing. Lin watched her intently. He was certain he knew what the problem was but he was going to let the two of them work it out. Wiping his mouth carefully with his napkin, Beast rose, approaching her with a friendly manner. I hope you do not mind but I'm not the best dancer in the world. Lin has tried to teach me but sadly has ended up with more trodden toes than dance moves taught. You too? Oh good. She walked up to him then, her smile tentative as she waited for him to tell her how to position herself. He smiled back and with as much care as possible he gently positioned the both of them as they should be. First you take a step towards me, like this. He took a step back, allowing her to follow his movements. Then a step to the left, like this. Then a step to the right, like so. She moved as he directed and was doing fine until the musician started to play his pipes and she stepped on Beast's foot. He didn't seem to notice, continuing to move in time with the music, enjoying the moment they were having. She relaxed as she found the rhythm and within minutes was actually leaning closer to Beast. His smell which was still animal but combined with a light floral scent, made her smile. It reminded her of the scent of the night roses. His arm lightly wrapped round her waist, holding her close, the music drifting across the night sky as the evening seemed to last forever. Chapter 15 The following day dawned clear and beautiful, though a little cold and the layer of snow on the ground reminded the castle's inhabitants that winter's grip was still alive. Lin walked about humming happily. Last night had been a great success. Lelandra and Ares had danced and not once had the young lady flinched. She was nervous, true, but the fear that had clung to her was gone. Now perhaps, things could progress more smoothly. Knowing that she was probably still sleeping, Lin went to his master's room to see how he had fared after last night's dinner. He knocked once and opened the door. My prince, are you awake? Ares let out a sleepy groan and slowly opened his eyes. As the thoughts of last night flickered through his mind he smiled. Enter. Lin noticed how relaxed Ares seemed and he grinned happily. His prince had not been this calm in a very long time. I came to see if you needed anything before your morning flight? Lin waited patiently for Ares to fully rouse himself. Ares slowly got up and walked over to the window and looked out at the grounds below. No, I believe I shall be fine for now. How is Lelandra this morning? The prince turned around to look at Lin as he posed the question. I have not checked on her yet. I thought it prudent to let her sleep. Lin came to stand beside Ares. I feel that you are getting closer to her heart. And I've received word that General Karas will be here in one week if the weather remains mild. I'm still trying to locate Generals Albin, Yerntil and Gotred. Karas has at least one hundred men with him. It will go a long way in dispelling the rumors surrounding this castle. Ares looked back out the window and closed his eyes. The sooner Karas and his men arrive, the better. I don't expect the forces that have begun to move to wait much longer. The sooner we establish some order, the sooner we will have little to worry about from inside or outside forces. He sighed and looked back at Lin. Keep trying to find out what you can and make sure our guest doesn't get into any trouble. I'll be back tonight. Of course. Be careful, sire. Remember that Miss Lelandra, for all her bravery, is still afraid and fragile. Don't get hurt. Lin admonished as he stepped away to give Ares room to maneuver. I won't. We're finally forming a friendship, a bond one don't want to shatter. Ares said as he spread his wings. I am off. With that, Ares took off through the window and flew over the trees into the horizon. Lin took a few minutes to tidy up Ares's room before leaving to go wake Lelandra. Now if his prince and the lady could keep up the momentum they were starting to build, 
the curse would get broken sooner rather than later. Smiling he knocked on Lalandra's door. Inside Lalandra had just finished dressing and was brushing her hair. Come in. Lin slowly opened the door and bowed slightly. Madam, breakfast shall be ready soon. Afterwards we shall do something a little different today, he said without much change in his expression. Different? Lalandra looked at Lin in surprise. She was trying to sort out her feelings for Beast. He had been so kind and such a gentleman. Nothing like any male she had ever met before coming to the castle. Well, not exactly true. Ares, the man from the forest, had been nice as well. But Beast, it was a new side to him. Shyly, she blushed as she thought of how gently he had held her while they danced. Lin grinned slightly and coughed to catch Lalandra's attention while she was deep in thought. Miss Lalandra? Oh, sorry. I'm ready to have breakfast. Her blush darkened to a darker shade of pink at having been caught thinking about Beast. She walked over and took Lin's arm, a smile on her face. Lin maintained his composure. He led Lalandra downstairs and towards the dining room. I decided that today we would do something a little different after breakfast. He said again. What did you have in mind? I feel useless just lying about all day. Lalandra pointed to the dusty banisters. We need to clean. I'm glad you feel that way. As a way to become better acquainted with more of the rooms, we are going to clean throughout the entire castle. He replied. Good. Now I can earn my keep. She felt relief at that moment, knowing she could be helpful. They had made it to the kitchen and sat down to eat. She found herself very hungry. She waited until she had finished all her food before asking. Which room shall we start in? Lin thought for a moment. I believe we shall start in the south wing. Yes, I believe that will work. He said taking up their dishes. Lalandra helped him clean up the kitchen and fell into a companionable silence punctuated with conversation here and there as she and Lin got a few buckets and some cloths to clean with. Obediently she followed him to the south wing. She noticed that unlike the other wings, this section did not have as many pictures. Lin continued to lead Lalandra through the corridors past the first couple of rooms in the south wing before opening the door to a room on the left. Any rooms we don't clean, it is best not for you to enter, he said, directing his comment to Lalandra as he opened the door. I will not forget. She had promised to follow any directions they gave her, and she was going to live up to it. She tackled the window sills with gusto. She paused when she saw movement in the bushes below. Um, Lin, are any of the villagers scheduled to be here? Hmm? Um, no. Not today. Why? He asked, busy cleaning the bookshelf in the corner. Oh, never mind. She shook her head. Maybe she had imagined it. She glanced down again and when nothing moved she went back to cleaning. Time seemed to fly by and soon the room was finished. I think maybe a break? She wiped away sweat from her brow. She felt good. Lin gathered the buckets and rags and looked around sighing. Very well. We shall break for now. Let's head back and I shall fix us something to drink. Lalandra looked out the window one last time before following Lin back toward the kitchen. They were almost to the stairs when Lalandra felt something smash into her back and sent her sprawling to the floor. She screamed and tried to roll over to see what was on her. Lin spun around to see what happened and noticed a stranger on Lalandra's back holding her down, trying to control her. Being not the first attack by someone trying to get into the castle, Lin reacted immediately. He swung the two buckets he was holding towards each other, colliding them into the temples of the attacker's head, knocking him out instantly. Lalandra stopped screaming as water hit her and she heard the grunt of person on her turn into a hurt moan and then silence. Lin? She gasped as the weight on her back grew heavy. Lin rolled the man off Lalandra and helped her to her feet. In the kitchen, there is some wire. Go fetch it for me, please. Go. She hurried downstairs, grabbed the first bottle of wine she could find and rushed back upstairs to Lin. Here. She held it out, being careful to stay a few feet from her attacker. Lin took the bottle of wine. He looked at it then her. I said wire, wire. W-I-R-E. Now go, you silly girl. Go. As she ran back to the kitchen, Lin popped the cork and took a drink from the bottle and sighed. He noticed the attacker beginning to rouse and quickly smashed the bottle over his head. I shall have to apologize to the master for such a fine bottle of wine. Lalandra was flustered. How could she have been so stupid? Fighting back a sob, she grabbed the wire and a knife and ran back to Lin. She held out the items to Lin. Lin grabbed the knife and wire and cut off a long length. 
he bound the man's hands behind his back. He again cut another length with which he bound the man's feet. He turned to the Landra. Help me get him into the dining room. Yes, sir, Lin, sir. Hysteria was licking at her emotions at the near capture by the masked man. Why had he chosen her to try to grab? Pushing her thoughts aside, she assisted Lin in getting the man to his feet. It was a painfully slow processing of getting the man to the dining room. They placed him upright in a chair and the Landra backed away. Lin looked at the attacker for a moment before pulling the mask from his head. He turned back to the Landra. Go to your quarters and lock the door. Don't open the door to anyone except for the master or myself. But Lin! The Landra suddenly was worried about the older man. What if he breaks free? Don't you worry about that. I shall take care of our uninvited guest. Now go! Lin said with a look of seriousness on his face. Yes, sir. Spinning on her heel she fled from the room. She had to get to her own bedroom and think about everything that had happened. She flung open the door and then slammed it shut, locking it from the inside. Slowly she began to pace. Lin looked at the clock in the corner and turned the knife in his hand. Master shall be back soon, then we shall get a few answers. In the meantime, time to wake up. Lin said as he took a cup of water and tossed it in the face of the assassin. The man sputtered and groaned. Slowly his head rose and he glared at Lin. You've ruined my plans. And you've caused me to ruin a perfectly good bottle of wine. I need some answers. What you were planning, why, who you are working for. Those type of things. Lin ran his finger down the blade of the knife in his hands. The intruder laughed. Do you think I'm a fool? I will tell you nothing. My employer would be most disappointed if I gave you any kind of information. Another cold glare from the man before he turned his attention to the wall. Lin sighed. I was never much good at interrogation. However, since you won't speak to me, Master will be back within ten minutes. Maybe you'll be more courteous when he asks you the same questions. Your foul master does not scare me. He can bleed just like the rest of us. The man sneered at Lin. His posture screamed of confidence and certainty. Lin chuckled. I'll remember that when the blood is pouring from the gashes he will leave in your flesh. A slight hesitation but the intruder managed to hide it. Be careful. Maybe he will be the one left with gashes. Lin unhooked the cufflinks binding his sleeves together and rolled his sleeves up and went into the kitchen. He returned shortly with the attacker's knife, a lime and a salt shaker and sat them down on the table in front of the man. Lin pulled up a chair in front of him and picked up the knife and lime. I'll ask this again. Who are you working for? Lin coolly sat down in the chair. Go to hell, old timer. I'm not afraid of you or your pathetic beast. He can bleed just like the rest of us. Lin cut open the lime and let out a sigh. As I mentioned before, I'm not much of an interrogator. My specialty was torture and special ops, as a member of my master's late father's personal guard. Lin poured a little salt on the split lime and took a lick. Most of my victims usually passed out from pain, thus weren't often able to give out any information, period. The younger man's look of gloating abruptly vanished. Special ops? Torture? Now wait a minute. No one said anything about torture. This is not the way it was supposed to happen. He whined, squirming against his bonds. Lin ran the sides of the knife across his tongue, licking the lime juice off. Well, you could tell me what I want to know. Last chance while working with me? A moment's hesitation then a shifting in the bound man's gaze. I will tell you nothing, beast lover. Lin took the knife and slowly stood up. He walked around to the side of the man before quickly slamming the blade into the man's arm and yanking down causing deep, long gash. He pulled the knife out and slowly wiped it on a napkin sitting on the table as a piercing scream escaped the captive's mouth before he clamped his lips shut, his breathing harsh. His eyes were wide with the true beginnings of panic and fear. Lin walked back over and picked up a slice of lime and a salt shaker. Lin took another lick of the lime with the salt before turning to the captive. Were you saying something? No? Okay. Lin took the lime above the gash and squeezed it slowly, letting the juice trickle down. He continued to squeeze until the juice became less willing to exit the flesh of the fruit. Lin tossed it on the table. He then took the lid off the salt shaker and poured some salt out into his hand, forming a small hill. He sat the shaker down with his other hand and smashed the hill of salt in his hand onto the captive's wound, making sure to rub it in completely. I warn you, once I'm done with the salt and lime, the tortures will only get worse. Another shriek was torn from the man's throat, tears running down his cheeks. Stop, stop! 
A booming roar shook the room before the door was flung open with enough force to break it. Ares's large bulk shoved its way inside and he stopped a few feet from Lin. I smell her fear and the stink of trespasser. What has been going on while I was away? Growling he lowered his head to be eye level with the bound captive. Ares's words were aimed at Lin. Lin grabbed a napkin and wiped his hands. This man intruded while Lelandra and I were cleaning. He attacked her and I knocked him out. I've been trying to obtain information from him, but he doesn't seem to care for salt and lime. I must also apologize, for I had to waste a perfectly good bottle of wine on his head. Lin replied calmly as he bowed slightly. Ares blinked and his growling increased. Did he hurt her badly? No. Thankfully she was unharmed, though she was somewhat shaken. I sent her to her room and told her to lock the door. Good. Now maybe since your nice methods of persuasion aren't working. Ares raised his paw, his claws extending as he prepared to mangle his unwanted guest. Lin coughed suddenly, his eyes catching something in the stairwell. Sir, please hold off on that for just one moment. We have a guest he said, his head nodding towards the stairs. Ares gave Lin a malevolent before swinging his head around to see. He froze, his eyes on Lelandra's pale face and scared expression. Beast? Her voice quavered and she took one small step before going still. Ares stammered. Ah, you don't understand, it's just... He slowly walked towards her pleading for understanding and forgiveness. Lelandra looked at the man who had tried to hurt Lin and herself. She wasn't sure what she felt but seeing Beast so angry on her behalf, instead of angry at her, made her feel pity for Beast. She took another few steps toward him and paused her hand outstretched toward his face. His fangs looked sharp and deadly but she knew they would hurt only those who injured others or who did foolish things. Beast! She whispered her hand finally connecting with his fur when he stopped in front of her. Ares lowered his head and closed his eyes. I never meant for you to see anything like this, but there are those who don't approve of my being alive, let alone in such a position of power. They will do anything they can to hurt you, Lin or myself. I only do what I need to get the truth of who is behind such attacks so that I can stop them. It is something I do not take pleasure in, I assure you. A tear rolled down the fur on Ares's face as he explained. Do not cry. I need to go back to my room. I agreed to obey anything you and Lin said and here I am being disobedient. She wiped the tear away and shyly glanced at him. I will stay in my room until Lin comes for me. Good night, my lord. She wobbled into a curtsy and turned to leave but stopped at the door. I know you do not take pleasure in it. She whispered and then she was gone. Ares looked up and smiled slightly. Thank you, he said in quiet voice. As she closed the door, he turned towards Lin who was smiling and grinned. Shall we? he asked cheerily. Yes, my lord, it is time for answers. Ares cracked popped his neck and stretched out his claws. If you have answers, now would be a good time to provide them. He growled as he closed in on the captive. The intruder gulped, his mouth opening to scream again. Josiah and Jacob glared at their wives. Ever since Victor had been killed, life had been difficult. They heard that the beast had chosen the Landra and no one knew whether she was alive or dead. The last few months had been hard and finally they had sold the farm and moved closer to town. Both loved the gambling tables and soon that money had dried up. To make ends meet, they had forced their wives to whore themselves out. Not that Trina and Samantha cared. As long as a man rutted between their thighs, the two were happy. Josiah had just risen. The house smelled of sex and brew. Sneezing in disgust he headed outside, scratching his ass as he went to get water from the well. He paused when he heard the sound of horses. Let's move, get those horses saddled. We confiscate as many steeds needed to get our army in shape. Karaz's voice boomed with confidence. We reach the prince's land soon. Josiah came around the side of well and glared at the large group of men heading his way. Hey! Hey, what the hell do you think you're doing? Karaz looked at Josiah and dismounted. You must be the owner of these horses. Don't worry, you will be compensated in full and more, he said with a friendly smile. Like hell! I need them horses for work. Josiah flapped his hands about vaguely. Karaz frowned. I apologize if it is inconvenient, but the prince's army needs these horses. I promise you will be compensated. Prince? I don't know no prince. Josiah spit at Karaz's boots. We only have the mayor around these parts. Karaz sighed. Despite what you may have heard or been told, there is still a prince and his armies are in need of horses. 
He understands that it may trouble you to give up such resources, so he will gladly compensate you. Karaz responded calmly. Hey Josiah? What's going on? Jacob demanded from the doorway of their home. He had heard the noise outside and gone to investigate. This man wants to take our horses and says they're for a prince. Josiah chortled. A prince? Scowling Jacob came outside. He was big and burly like his brother. He was not intimidated by General Karaz's larger muscular frame. Karaz looked at Jacob and hoped he would be more reasonable. As I attempted to explain to your brother, there is still a prince and his army needs your horses. You will be well compensated, I promise. How much? Jacob yawned, not believing this stupid man in the fancy getup. At least market price and some extra, but that will be once we have calmed the unrest and rebellions that are going on. Karaz replied, again with confidence. Unrest? Rebellion? Did you hear that, Josiah? This man is looking to start a fight. Listen you, if you come to start a fight, you needn't bother. Just go to the mayor's office which is a mile that way. He'll be more than happy to sell you what you need without having any rebellion. Jacob laughed at Karas. Rebellion, ha ha. That's funny. Come Josiah. Our bedmates await. Not staying to see what else Karas might say the two brothers went back inside, firmly closing the door. Karas shook his head. Get those horses saddled. We leave now, Dot. He said pointing back at the horses. Yes, sir. The horses were captured and put on a long lead with the other unridden horse. Karaz's third in command, Hylian came to his side. What is wrong with these peasants? Do not understand anything? I believe there has been a decay in pride in their country and corruption in the local leaders. This won't stand, Karaz said with disdain. Hylian glanced at the house. Yes, when our Lord Prince whips them all into shape, things will be different. Hylian pointed to the soldiers. We're already general. Karaz nodded. Let's move out, he commanded as he waved the direction forward. Without a sound the troop took the horses from the farm and followed their commander. Chapter 16 Jacob and Josiah stumbled from the tavern, staggering slightly from the effects of the ale they'd been imbibing again. They had been pissed to discover their horses taken by that fellow who claimed to be in some army. Not that they used the horses to do actual work. Since their father's death, they had been even more lazy than usual, and had chosen to live off the money made from selling the farm. Their wives were happy being whores and the two men were just as happy to spend money on drinking. It worked out well for everyone. They continued to stumble along toward the house they currently rented. They were oblivious to their surroundings, singing off-key in surprising nice baritone voices. From the shadows, the eyes of a hunter watched. Old and experienced, he had been monitoring the two men for some time. They had witnessed the attack on the father and had been witness to the events that had happened as a consequence. They would be perfect to start a rebellion within the prince's borders. Jacob looked at his brother. You know, wondered if that beast ripped our slutty sister to pieces? Why the hell you thinking about that whore for? She deserved what she got. Josiah mumbled, tripping over a pebble in his path. I'm just saying, what if she ain't dead? How much money you think she got from letting the beast fuck her? Greed filled Jacob's eyes as he thought about the possibilities. Bah! Beasts don't have money, idiot! That's why they're called dumb animals. Josiah retorted. Man can dream, can't he? Jacob groused, clearly unhappy with his brother for not taking him seriously. From the shadows stepped the watcher, his footsteps echoing in the quiet night. Matching the pace of his two targets and following their course along the roads and pathways of the village. Man I gotta piss. Jacob grumbled, stopping in his tracks and whipping out his penis. He started urinating not caring if anyone saw or not. A small cough broke the sound of his urination, a polite voice rolling from the mouth of the speaker. I wonder if you realize someone could mug you very easily right about now. Josiah tried to turn around but his legs got tangled with each other, and he landed face first in a puddle of mud. Jacob arrogantly turned around and smirked at the man before him. Who the hell would mug us? We ain't got no money. Calmly he put his dick back in his pants. With a soft singing sound a long thin rapier blade tip was swiftly pressed to his throat. You assume I would take your money friend? What if I wanted something more precious? Your life, for example? Hey now! We ain't done nothing to you. Just two fellows minding their own business. Whined Jacob. Business? Hmm, now that might be the something I followed you for. My master has a proposition for you two fellows. 
Whether or not you accept it is, of course, your own choice. To emphasize his point, he pressed the tip just hard enough to draw a tiny spot of blood. Sure, why not? Not busy at the moment. Josiah joked as he got to his feet, wiping mud off his face. He enjoyed watching his older brother squirm. Very well then, my associates are waiting at your abode. Shall we depart? He nodded down the road to their apartment, where a carriage was already waiting. Well, I guess we'll be traveling in style then. Jacob hitched up his pants and got in the carriage followed by Josiah who was still trying to dust the mud off his clothes. The man smiled and slid into the driver's seat. He didn't need to witness what went on inside. His master would deal with it. Inside the carriage sat Discius, his huge muscular form menacing in the shadowed carriage. Jacob and Josiah eyed the big man inside warily. What you want? Jacob demanded, his buzz from the ale starting to wear off and be replaced by a headache. To make you an offer, boy. Discius's voice was a deep dangerous growl, hinting at what would happen if he were to be crossed by these young men. Your father was killed by the beast, was he not? Yeah, but everyone knows that. Stupid bastard deserved what he got. Banging our wives and making us go without. So you hold no grudge against the creature who murdered your father then? Maybe a little. We're more upset he took our little sister. We could have made a killing off that body of hers. And what if I told you that she was alive and unblemished by that monster? Jacob's mouth fell open in surprise and the last of his drunken state abruptly disappeared. You lie. I do not lie, friend. She lives and is untainted. Do you wish to really get her back? Josiah was watching the man intently now. He and Jacob exchanged looks and Jacob answered slowly. Perhaps it depends on how much work is involved. Just a little bit of public speaking you could call it. The great hulking man stood there looking at his two passengers. Well, we're in. They said at the same time, twin grins of malice staring back at the man in the carriage. Very well, this is what you will have to do. He leaned forwards and began to whisper his plans. Evening came swiftly but Lynn did not notice. He was smiling for word had reached them that General Caras and his men were only an hour away. Impatiently he hurried to Ares's chambers to meet with his prince and tell him the good news. Ares was standing on the balcony gazing out into the night sky, breathing deeply of the sense that the winds brought to his senses. Lin knocked once and came in. My prince, General Caras and his army will be here within the hour. This is excellent news for us. I know Lin, I can smell them on the air. It seems change is sticking to its schedule for once. Perhaps now our dream of rebuilding our ravaged homeland can come to fruition. I have possible good news regarding General Gotred. It seems he had made his way south and has been living there for some time. I'm trying to get confirmation on that but I have hope. Lin bustled about cleaning up. I managed to get some of the village women to help me get the lower level rooms clean so that the general and his men can stay inside for tonight. Also, I had food brought and that should last for at least three days, more than enough time for us to figure out what we need to do. That's excellent, my friend. No doubt he will be pleased to be back in the keep. Gotred will be hard to find, however no doubt he will be eager to return. He always enjoyed the field of battle. Most big and muscular fighting men are that way. Teased Lin. His step was light, and so was his heart. Though Miss Lalanda had managed to brighten the place, it was still tense because the trust was being rebuilt among the three of them. Miss Lalanda has been very solemn since the break-in and near kidnapping. Yes, most people are. We must be more subtle the next time. Perhaps you need to refresh your memory with the subjugation techniques you once mastered? Lind remaced. I never thought I would have to use those techniques ever again, but of course I've been known to make a few mistakes. I felt it prudent, however, that you be the one to tell Miss Lalandra about our soon-to-be-arriving guests. We still have five hours before your change, and I will have all the men squared away by then as well. Perhaps, we must be sure that she does not have another, unnecessary reaction to the situations presented before her. I entrust everything to you, Lin. When I change tonight, I would like to speak to Karas. Lin gave Ares a surprised look. You will not meet him as the beast? He paused as he thought on Ares's words. Wait, you want me to explain to Miss Lalandra about Karas? I will explain to her, Lin, do not worry, you have a small platoon to take care of. You always wanted more people around the castle, did you not? True, but I didn't think that many this fast. Huffed Lin good-naturedly. A challenge is good for the soul, my old friend. It will do you a fair bit of benefit to see Karas once more. He yawned and stretched his wings out, feeling the strain leave his muscles. 
Right now, Miss Lalandra is downstairs peeling potatoes and making the bread. I see you have been teaching her your famous culinary skills. What is on the menu tonight? Potato soup with deer meat. I've brought up the best wine from the cellar. Lin looked at his prince. I suppose I should go assist her. Do you want me to send her to you once we are done? Ares nodded and walked towards the open balcony, enjoying the cool breeze that swept in. Yes, Lin, that will do fine, thank you. Lin bowed and hurried out, his mind on the number of dishes needed to feed all the men. Lilandra wiped her sweaty brow with the back of her hand and glanced over at Lin. Never had she worked so hard before but unlike the time spent cooking for her father and brothers, this work was more enjoyable. Lin, who is coming? You keep avoiding question. Please, who is it? Are the villagers finally over their fear of beasts? Curiosity was burning bright within her. She had to know. Lin looked at her for a moment with a slightly worried expression on his face. The master will inform you of who our guests will be tonight after we are done preparing the feast. The sooner you finish then the sooner you shall know. Lin. Lalandra shook her head, exasperated. Well I'm done. Where is Beast? Lalandra covered the meat to keep it hot and laid her apron on the table. Patience is a virtue young lady. Make sure you put the spices in the correct containers before you leave. Pepper in the cinnamon powder does not mix well. Lalandra blushed, hurriedly corrected her mistake and looked at Lin expectedly. He nodded approvingly. That's better now off you go before he gets impatient. He turned back to his long bench beginning to clean up what he could. Lalandra left the kitchen and made her way to Beast's chambers. She knocked on the door, impatiently shuffling back and forth, waiting for him to acknowledge her. After a moment the booming voice of Beast called out instructing her to enter. The air was chilly compared to the immense heat of the kitchens. Ah, Lalandra, how are the preparations for the feast? Lalandra blinked, her eyes adjusting to the dimmer light as she entered. We are done. The food is being kept warm. We made enough food to feed a whole town. I asked Lin who the food is for but he told me that you would explain. Lalandra had made her way completely inside, her eyes finally locating Beast sitting near the window sill. To put it simply some old friends are returning to the castle. The complex answer would be, what is left of one of my strongest regiments, and their courageous leader, General Karas. Wait. Your army? A general? Why are they coming here now? Lalandra paled at the thought of all those men in the castle. Did this mean Beast was going to make her bed them? Because the time for change is almost upon us, my dear. A war is coming, a war to set things right once and for all. We shall reclaim my kingdom and rebuild it to its former glory. War. With who? I do not understand Beast. Vaguely she remembered her mother speaking of battles and wars, but always as stories of bygone times. Not in the present. Always in the past. Who are you fighting? There are dark enemies out there, Lilandra, lurking in the shadows. The tapestries you saw with Lin when you first came here depicted the first great war with those same enemies. Now they stir in the shadows once again. They are like cockroaches, and I intend to purge every single one of them this time. Beast I. Lalandra looked down at the floor. I see. Will I be helping Lin serve dinner? Her tone had gone from warm to very polite, her expression changing to one of vagueness, much like the one she'd worn at home whenever her father had barked orders at her that she hadn't comprehended. It was safer than the alternative had been. Do not worry Lalandra, the men will feed themselves, they prefer to wander while they feast. He turned and walked towards her, gently placing his claw on her shoulder. Are you alright? I am fine, beast. I guess I was more tired than I thought. Maybe I should retire to my room. He looked down at her. He could tell she was lying but he did not want to push her. Very well, Lilandra, I hope you rest well. Thank you. If you need me, well, I will help. Good evening, beast. Her eyes flitted to his face and away as she left his room. Lin waited outside in the courtyard, ignoring the cold air blowing about. Another storm was due in a few days. Karas had done well to get to the castle as soon as he had. Lin only hoped the other generals would be able to arrive as quickly. Soon the whinny of horses and thudding of boots striking cobblestone was heard as Karas and his army came down the lane. As they approached the gates, Karas raised his arm for a halt. Looking down at Lin he waited until the noise had stopped and struck his heart to his chest in a salute to Lin. Commander, it is good to see you again. General Karas, you owe me no salute. Please enter. Lin opened the gates and gestured for Karas and his men to come inside. The stables are to your left.
I am sorry we have no staff to assist to their care, but as you have probably noticed, the people have forgotten about their prince. Karis could only smile. It was just like old times. Fear not, my old friend. Our time in the wilds has not wiped our memories of how to stable our mounts. Do not worry, the people will rally soon when they see the army is returning. One can hope. Lin muttered, spinning on his heel and heading for the stables first. Once the horses had been attended to, Lin took Karas and his company into the castle. The whole first floor is yours. No one will disturb you. Prince Ares will be down to eat dinner with you and discuss matters with you. He will meet you in two hours. Thank you, how is his condition? When we parted he was not handling it well. He has become resigned to his half-life. The last seven years have been eventful. Lin would leave the telling of it to Ares. The communal bath has been cleaned and the water heated. Take your time and rest. I will come get you for dinner. Thank you for that. I am glad to be here once again. We have many stories to tell you. It will be good to hear them. Things have been dreary here for a long time, especially with the prince in the beginning. But now, not as much, since time has worn away the shock. Lin stopped in front of the general's room. Only the best for the best. Lin looked at the men. Find a room. Each house is four soldiers. Rest and relax. You are safe within these walls. Karis smiled widely and patted Lin on the back. Well done, my friend. These are much appreciated. He turned and addressed his men, some old and some new. Men, treat this place as your new home. Same rules, if you break it, we'll break something of yours. Enjoy yourself, but have fun. Lin watched them flow around him and into the rooms. He turned to Karis. Make sure your means stay on this level, and if they must have air, stay on the grounds. No one is allowed upstairs unless escorted by me. Of course, my men will not stray from this level. If they do, there will be hell to pay. He turned and glared at his men to emphasize this point. Yes, sir, general, sir. They all replied as one. Satisfied, Lin left them to get settled in. He made his way back upstairs to Ares's room. Sire, General Karas and his men are getting themselves reacquainted with the lower levels. I told them that dinner will be in two hours. Should I lock Miss Lalandra in her room? Ares turned and looked at his old friend and thought for a moment. No need to lock her in, but do inform her to stay on her floor for now. I will introduce her to the general in due time. Of course, sir. They are all eager to see their prince again. This is exciting news. For now let them enjoy themselves, it will do them good to enjoy the comforts of the castle once more. Very good then, my prince. I will return in two hours. Is there anything else you need, my prince? That will do for now, Lin. I must leave for an hour. The urges are calling once more. His voice was darker at the end. He had not indulged the needs of his curse for longer than he should have. I understand, be safe, my lord. Lin bowed, still smiling about the day's events, and quit the room. Karas and his men were ready by the time Lin came to lead them to the dining hall for dinner. Prince Ares will be with you shortly. Until then, feast heartily. Karas shook his head. Are you going to serve us all by yourself, old man? His smile was genuine though his eyes were troubled. Lin gave a rueful smile in response. Of course, I somewhat doubt a platoon of the kingdom's finest can outpace my legendary serving skills, general. After all, you aren't so young yourself anymore either. True but what I meant was, where is the staff? Why do you not have kitchen maids and serving wenches? Come to think of it, where is everyone? That, my friend, is a long and disheartening story. Put simply, the master's new form was unpleasant to the staff. Right now only the summer harvest staff still attend, only because they do not see the master. Karaz's expression changed to one of anger. How dare they abandon their prince? After all he did for them. Saving their worthless lives. General, please calm down, the prince will explain everything. We do not blame them for leaving. People cannot help what they fear. Lin picked up the bottle of aged spirits and refilled Karaz's mug. It is a subject that is still tender with the master, so please try not to overreact. Karaz calmed down but with visible effort. I know that I left seven years ago, and perhaps my prince thinks I was being cowardly and I will admit, his appearance was shocking at first but myself and the other three generals felt it prudent to divide up and hunt down any of Zydemira's people that might remain. We didn't want them to use whatever powers that which had to infect our own citizens. We saw much in our travels but we did not find any more of her people. It seems they are more skilled at blending in than we first thought. But do not worry general, all will be made right in good time. 
Now eat, drink, enjoy yourself. This is a celebration of homecoming for our people. Your words are intelligent as always. Karas downed his mug of spirits, and with a hearty laugh began to eat. He noted which of his men finished first, and began to move about restlessly. You can walk about on the first floor but remain on this floor as per our prince's orders. He fixed his gaze especially on Xanthiel. The young man was barely twenty-two years old but already displayed some unpleasant personality traits that Karas was attempting to correct. The young man looked up sharply, a glint of annoyance at being restricted showing in his eyes but he nodded and quietly stood up. Of course sir, I shall not wander out of bounds. He walked away from the table and out into the corridor, muttering to himself. Karas looked to Hylian and to Magel. Both men nodded. They would keep an eye out for young Xanthiel. Satisfied that everything was fine, Karas resumed eating. Soon he was full as were most of his men. He looked to Lin. The hour is almost up. Will we be seeing him? Lin leaned close, speaking in hushed tones. He has requested a private audience with only your Karas. You are the only one he can truly trust for now. Please do not take this the wrong way, but he does not know your men as well as you. He cannot risk anything unpredictable happening. I do not take it as an insult. Much has changed in seven years. I am ready to see him now, Lin, if that is permissible. Lin nodded and moved towards the door. Of course, General, if you will follow me I will show you to the master's chambers. Karas nodded to Magel and turning smartly on his heel followed Lin upstairs. Lalandra had grown restless in her room and finally she had snuck out. She knew that the guests were all downstairs so she should be safe on this floor. Besides, she had an urge to look at the roses in the display case. It had been growing steadily over the past few weeks though she had not confided this secret to Beast or Lin. She had to see the roses, now, and thus she was on the move. She would face whatever punishment later but she had to have at least a glimpse. At the other end of the floor, Xanthiel had quietly entered the passageway. He had heard rumors from the townsfolk that there was a girl here that the Beast had taken captive. He hadn't had a woman in months and there was a bounty on her head for the man who could steal her away without getting caught. Finally Lalandra made it to the roses and stood gazing longingly at them. Her eyes kept returning to the black one. It was the most lethal but something about it was sad. It had a beautiful appearance but a deadly interior. I feel as if you are trying to tell me something, something important but I'm not understanding. My mother always said that just because plants and animals do not speak, does not mean they do not have stories to share. She caressed the glass before pressing her face against it. She had the urge to rub the black rose all over her skin, between her breasts. The firm grasp of two strong meaty hands on her upper arms brought her out of her daydream, the low growl of lust recognizable from the man behind her. Well, well. Looks like the rumors were true. You're coming with me, little lady. There's a fine bounty on your head. Lalandra's eyes flew open and she tried to break free. She did not know this voice. Let me go this instant. She yelled. The hand moved over to her mouth, silencing her cries. We can do this the easy way or the hard way, little lady. But keep squirming if you want. I like my women with fire when I take them. He spun her around and pushed her against the glass hard enough to crack it. Now see what you did. You made me hurt you. She felt shards of the glass dig into her back and she whimpered. She needed help. Without thinking, she attempted to kick him between the legs. Her aim was a little high, and she missed the spot she was aiming for but kicked him instead in his inner thigh. Ow. Oh. He growled and slammed her into the glass again, harder this time. With the glass weakened from the previous slam, it shattered this time, spilling shards of glass, soil, and the roses all over the floor. Her head was ringing and she felt more pain. That meant more cuts. Her body had finally healed from what her father had done, and now this. She was going to be a very ugly woman if things like this kept happening. She squirmed and managed to bite his hand at the same time slamming her boot heel into his foot. She had to save the roses. They meant much to Beast, and she would be damned if she let some intruder ruin them. Her life and virtue momentarily forgotten, Lalandra tried to get free. He roared in pain at the bite and the stomp, lashing out in retaliation and backhanded her hard across the face. You little bitch. How dare you do this time me? Ah. The force of the slap sent her reeling and she fell to her knees, her palms being cut open. Her eyes watered and through the tears she spotted the roses. She grabbed for one and her hand connected with the black one. She tried to get to her feet and run. She had to get away from this man. Her luck ran out as his strong hands grabbed her skirt, 
dragging her back towards him. You think you can expect to do that to me and not face the consequences? Well, think again. Get off me. Help. She flailed about trying to injure her assailant enough to run. In her struggles the black rose she was clutching slapped Xanthiel in the face and three of the thorns sank into his skin. Lelandra didn't notice nor did she care. The man was going to hurt her and she couldn't stomach the thought of what he was going to do. He screamed in agony as the venom of the roses seeped into his skin. He shot upwards ripping it from his flesh. But it was too late. The veins in his face were already turning black, crawling slowly across almost half his face as the venom infected him. It was old and very weak, but it still packed a nasty punch. The room began to spin for him, his knees going weak as he collapsed. Lelandra scooted backwards and stared in horror at the man on the floor. She sat and sobbed, too relieved that the man had stopped hurting her to notice her own wounds. Beast, beast, I need you. She whimpered. There was a slam from down the hall as the great doors to the beast chambers flew open. He had felt the incident. The venom of the roses had called out to him, told him they had claimed another victim, and with that he knew the treachery the soldier had tried to perform. He stormed down the hallway, Lin and Kara's hurrying after him, not sure what on earth was going on. My prince! Wait! Lin called as he and Kara's ran to keep pace with the angry Ares. Sire, what has happened? Kara's demanded as he pulled out his sword, ready to do battle in his majesty's honor. This is no concern of yours, general. Someone has violated M.Y. Sanctuary and so I will be the one to deal with them. As they rounded the corner, Lelandra and the soldier could be seen. Kara's growled as he recognized the boy. There would be serious trouble for Xanthiel. However, before he could act, Ares was upon the soldier, grabbing him and smashing him against the wall hard enough to shake dust down from above. My prince! If you kill him, we won't know what prompted his attack on Miss Lelandra. Lin scolded Ares, hoping that his tone would get through to Ares. Carefully stepping around the glass, Lin stopped by Lelandra. He saw her clutching the black rose and he sucked in a quick breath. Sire, she's holding the rose and she's bleeding. Lin added as he saw that one of the thorns had pierced Lelandra's skin. Kara's was torn. He didn't know who to help Lin or Xanthiel. Not that Xanthiel would get much sympathy from Karas. The younger man had violated the rules of the castle and he would pay for it. Ares stared at the soldier, his grip on his throat tightening slightly before he growled in a low, dangerous tone to Karas. General, from this point on this man is to be under constant guard. I want every man in your platoon interrogated to find out who else knew his intentions and I want to know by the end of today. He dropped the soldier and turned to look at Lelandra. Kneeling down he gently took her hand and delicately removed the thorny rose from her hand. I am sorry I allowed this to happen to you, Lelandra. You are very lucky there was no venom left in this rose where you grabbed it. He was lying and Lin knew it, but he could understand not wanting to panic Lelandra any more than necessary. Beast, I'm sorry I disobeyed you and Lin. I was told to stay in my room, but I kept thinking about the roses and how much I needed to see them. Her voice was a mere whisper as she reluctantly let go of the rose. She looked down at her hand which had started to swell. Am I going to die? She remembered that he had said the roses were lethal. Karas was staring at the young lady in appreciation. The girl was beautiful no doubt. Will he live long? Karas asked Lin as he turned his attention to the unconscious Xanthiel. Ares's soft furry paw lightly stroked her face. No, my dear, you were very lucky today. You didn't get any venom in you. You held it just right. You are going to be fine. He isn't going to hurt you anymore. Now let's get you cleaned up, shall we? He gently picked her up in his arms, pausing to look at Lin for a moment. We will finish our meeting in the morning, Lin. Make sure the culprit doesn't leave. Lin nodded and waited until his master was gone before speaking to Karas. For now, yes, the venom from those flowers was very weak. He is truly fortune. However, if Ares is angered by him any further, I doubt even I can stop him from making sure no one finds your soldier ever again. Karas shook his head. I don't understand this. I know he's been in trouble, but this, even this is beyond anything he's ever done. Still puzzled, Karas grabbed Xanthiel's arms while Lin grabbed the boy's feet. Together they carried him back downstairs and locked him in an empty room to await Ares's judgment. Lelandra snuggled in against Beast, happy for the comfort his presence brought. She didn't look at the man who had hurt her. Would she ever learn to just follow orders? Sighing she closed her eyes and tried not to think about the pain in her back from the glass pieces embedded in it. 
Ares carried her to his chambers, gently laying her down on the bed before closing the door. Lie on your side, Lalandra, this will take some time, not having fingers will make this, interesting. Yes, beast. She replied meekly and rolled over. The swelling in her hand had gone down, so the only pain left was that in her back. This will hurt a little but I will try my best not to hurt you too much. He leaned in and carefully began to remove the shards. The razor tips of his claws stung and nipped her flesh, but the glass was coming out smoothly. She made no sound, simply clutched the sheets in her fists, twisting them until her knuckles were white. He worked quickly and was done in under ten minutes. He scraped the glass into a bowl from the side cabinet before picking up a damp washcloth and some bandages. He gently wiped her back clean of blood before carefully applying the bandages. It seems perhaps the angels are jealous of your beauty. They keep sending people to disfigure you. His words made her cry. She had begun to think that way of late. Or perhaps it was her own wicked nature as her father had often accused her of indulging in. He paused once he was done and gently helped her up. What's wrong, Lalandra? I did not mean to offend you. He gently stroked her cheek once more, looking into her eyes. I meant no disrespect by my words. I'm sorry I think it's the fear wearing off. I was so scared. One moment I was enjoying the roses and then he had a hold of me, hurting me. My one thought was that I wanted you to save me from him. Then he used me to smash the glass and scatter your beautiful roses. She had to stop talking because once again she was crying. I hurt your roses. I'm such a clumsy disobedient oaf. Shilalandra, it's all right, there was no harm done to them. Their time had passed long ago. We have a whole greenhouse of them to replace them, remember? He leaned forward, his cold canine nose lightly touching hers. I have done worse to you in my time. You need not feel any guilt over this. Her hands came up to tangle in his fur. She breathed in his scent, her mind marking it as safe. She would remember it for as long as she lived. My mother once told me that everything, people, animals and plants were alive in their own way and should each be respected and that just because animals and plants may not speak people talk, did not make them any less worthy of consideration. I tried to save them but I was not strong enough. I know you have more but still the ones inside that he destroyed, they cannot be replaced. I know they are touched by your words, Lalandra. Thank you. But they will give new life to the next generation. It's what they would want, yes? Her eyes closed and then opened. A flame of fire seemed to dance in the pupils of her eyes. Yes, that is something they would want. I'm glad you think so. How do you feel now? I got out all the glass. It will be tender for a few days though I'm afraid. I will be fine. I think I should rest. He nodded and pulled back the covers of his bed. Rest here as long as you like. I will be close by so do not worry. A yawn escaped her and sleepily she nodded. Yes, safe in his room. She liked that idea. He helped her into bed and gently pulled the covers up. He lightly stroked her hair and smiled. Sleep well, Lalandra. I am but a call away. Thank you, my beast. She murmured, her eyes already closed as sleep claimed her. Chapter 17 General Karas was furious. How could Xanthio be so foolish? Had he not warned the men to stay in the assigned area? Angrily he tried to find a reason for his man's rebellion and attack on the woman. And just who was the girl anyway? Was she the reason Lin wanted everyone to stay downstairs? The sound of talons clicking on the hard stone flags echoed in the hall as Ares strode down the corridor. He was annoyed, his anger having faded a little but not by much. He was going to find out just how much that man knew and then, if the mood took him, make sure the forest wolves had a feast tonight. Karas and Lin got Xanthiel to a room and tossed him inside. The younger man groaned and feebly stirred. Karas glared at his soldier before stomping past Lin back out into the hallway. Lin looked down at the young man and shook his head slowly. The foolishness of youth. He walked back to the door and closed it quietly behind him, locking it securely before addressing Karas. It seems time has had its toll on all of our instincts. I don't know what got into him. He is one of my best and I fear our prince will not be lenient, especially since it happened to a lady under his roof. I'm afraid I must agree with you there, my old friend. Add to the fact that the rose venom is coursing through his veins. The prince will know when he is not telling the truth. Then I hope for his sake that he tells the truth and perhaps our prince's ire will not be so great. Karas turned at a faint sound. I do believe he is almost here. Lin nodded and sat down in one of the chair by the door. He is already inside, 
The only exit now is through the open window. Let us hope we don't have to clean the flagstone tomorrow. Karas grimaced and prayed that his man would be honest and that Xanthiel's odd behavior was a fluke. Otherwise he'd be short one man. Just audible on the edge of hearing, the click of talon on the floor inside could be heard, getting closer and closer to where the young soldier lay. Xanthiel had finally managed to open his eyes and immediately wished he hadn't. He was laying on the floor and coming closer to him were really sharp claws. He was so scared he almost pissed his pants. A low growl filled the air, reverberating around the room. The long arm of air reached down and gripped the young man by his shirt and easily pulled him off the floor. Good evening, boy. Please, please, don't kill me. Xanthiel stuttered, kicking futilely as he was hauled into the air. The prince glared at him, bringing him close, his stinking breath blowing in the terrified man's face. Now why would I do that? Perhaps you could be so kind as to explain to me what you were doing wandering my domain unattended? I, I, please my lord, the poison burns. Xanthiel was sweating and he wanted to lie about why he'd been in a restricted area but with such thoughts came a fiery pain. That's what happens to rabbits who stray into the dens of predators. Now tell me boy, what were you doing wandering in my den without supervision? Please have mercy. I was stupid. I only wanted to get the money. Ares looked at him closely. What money? Did someone pay you to try and kill me? On our way here, the village we came through, at the tavern was a man offering money to any who could capture and bring to him the Lady of the Beast. What man? What was his name? What did he look like? His grip tightened, menace growing in his voice. He was hooded. He made sure none could see his face. The other men at the table called him a fool, said it was impossible. Who was he working for then? How much was he offering? Ares' fangs were beginning to bear now, his patience growing short with the lack of information. Xanthiel struggled, his face turning redder. He offered one thousand gold pieces to the man who capture and bring her to the edge of the forest by tonight. I do not know who he worked for, if any. That's all, I swear it, my lord. Ares glared at him once more. Who else accepted the offer from this man? One thousand gold pieces is a tempting offer. I do not know. The man did not stay around after his declaration. No one else moved from the table. I left when the general rounded us up. That's all of it. I speak the truth. A little smile came across Ares' features as he watched the man. Then answer me one final question, boy. Do you think you can fly? No, my lord, I am only a man. The white Xanthiel's eyes were visible. I will give you one chance to live. You will do something for me. If you succeed, you will be rewarded with your life. If you fail. He let the thread hang silently in the air, awaiting the man's reply. And dash, anything, my prince. You will go to this meeting. You will bring one of your leaner comrades bound and seemingly vulnerable. We will wait for this mysterious man. You will convince him you have the girl. You will take payment and complete the deal. Are we clear? Xanthiel nodded vigorously. Good. As punishment you will suffer the venom coursing through your veins while you do this job for me. Count yourself lucky I do not make it worse. He dropped the young man and called to Karas outside. General, you may enter now. Karas was not a nervous man by nature, but knowing that one of his soldiers had disobeyed made him wary of his prince who he had not seen in many years. My liege, prepare your most skilled lean man. We have a special guest to pick up tonight. Make sure he can scream convincingly. Karas was baffled but bowed low. It shall be as my liege orders. Once we are done, Karas, I want you to make this man suffer in that unique way you are famous for. Make him remember that if he betrays us again, there will be no rest for him. Karas straightened and gave a chilling grin. Traitors, no matter how close a friend they were, deserved everything that happened to them. Xanthiel had ceased to be his solider the moment he crossed the line into enemy. Ares nodded and strode away down the hall, leaving Karas alone with the young man, Lin silently watching from the hallway. Karas looked at the cowering Xanthiel and laughed as the young man sobbed his fear. After leaving Lin to guard the door, Karas went and got some much-needed sleep. He woke up in the early afternoon of the next day. Frowning at being allowed to sleep in, he washed, dressed, and went in search of Lin. Instead he heard singing. Entranced he followed the sound, not paying heed to where he was going. He stopped outside a room, riveted by the sweet soprano voice. As the notes died away, he pushed the door open and froze. Before him was the girl from the night before. He blinked and realized she was standing in nothing but a shift. 
He blushed like a schoolboy when she yelped in surprise. Hurriedly he looked away as he heard her scrambling about for clothing. I'm sorry. I should have knocked. As Karas turned he just barely dodged the swipe from a long hard iron poker that clanged off the flagstones and swiped upward on the rebound, once again just barely missing the general's chin. He took a step back only to see a determined Lin lifted high above his head and stop when he realized who it was. Oh it's you general. God's above, Lin. That was my head. Karas scowled. He gave a rueful laugh when the Landra's bashful giggle filled the air. Lin carefully lowered the poker and set it by the inside of the door, still somehow carrying the lunch tray in one hand, nothing spilled. Do forgive the lack of butter on your toast, Miss Lalandra. I was about to spread it when I heard you yelp. I don't think I'll die if I don't have butter, Lin, but thank you. Lalandra had her dress on and sidled past Kara's and over to Lin's side. Lin idly waved at the general in a dismissive tone. Oh, you would have hardly noticed through that thick skull of yours, Kara's. He carefully poured tea for Lalandra and himself before sitting down and sipping it, watching the general. So what brings you to see our guest general? I heard the singing, it was foolish. But the song was so beautiful, made me think of better years. The yearning in his tone caused the silence to descend. Lalandra simply stared at him. Of course it was beautiful, but you are far too old for this lovely young flower. This came from Ares, who was now standing in the doorway, what seemed to be a smile upon his snout. It seems you have attracted more than your usual number of guests, Lalandra. She blushed and ducked her head. I'm sorry, beast. He quietly moved into the room, gently laying his paw on her shoulder. There is nothing to apologize for, Lalandra, you know this. Now tell me, how are you feeling? I trust your back is feeling a little better? Nervously she glanced in the general's direction before looking directly at the beast. I feel rested. My back still aches but it does not burn with pain. Thank you? Unconsciously she reached up and caressed his snout, her fingers running from it to his jaw. Kara's gaped. Never had he seen anyone, not even Lin, be so bold with the prince while in his beast form. Kara's was amused. The young lady appeared reluctant to stop touching his prince. This was good news indeed. A quiet growl of contented happiness came from Ares, like a puppy who had just been given a good belly rub. I am glad you are getting better. If I may be so bold, may I check your hand as well? Yes, of course, beast. She moved her hand and held it out for him to see. He very carefully took her hand in his and looked down at it. It was still slightly swollen, but that was to be expected. What amazed him the most was that there was no rotting of the flesh at all unlike the young soldier she had struck in the face. It was remarkable, like the rose did not want to harm her with its venom. Am I all right? I will live. Anxiously she rocked back and forth. He nodded and smiled once again. Of course, Lalandra, didn't we tell you that last night? Do not worry. There is no poison in you at all. She looked perplexed and so did Karas. Doesn't the black rose venom always poison if not kill? Like I said, you gripped it just right, young one. You were very lucky. He gently let go of her hand and chuckled, the warm air in his vast lungs blowing from his nostrils and causing her hair to almost shimmer in the breeze it caused. She shivered, eyes contracting. Beast, she whispered, her breathing speeding up. He gently stroked her cheek with his warm furry paw. Yes, Lalandra? Karas was embarrassed to be staring at the two. He could feel the building attraction and he wondered, staring at Miss Lalandra, if she even knew it existed. He was sure his prince knew, but the young lady, something told him she was innocent about a lot of ways of the world. He cleared his throat. Sir, we need to speak about my soldier's activity if you have time. Ares held her gaze for a moment longer before nodding and tuning to Karas. Indeed, we have much to discuss and more to prepare. Lin clapped his hands together. Come Miss Lalandra, you can have lunch in your room. Then I need your help in North Wing. I do believe we have cleaning to do. Lin! She groaned but obediently followed him from the room. Karas watched her go and turned to his prince. Sire, forgive me for my boldness, but has she ever been around men? She seems so innocent. Ares looked at the general for a moment, considering his words. In short, yes she has. But thankfully she was removed from them before they took advantage of her. From what my sources tell me, her father and brothers were quite active with each other's wives. Karas looked ill. I'll never understand peasants. Why they insist on acting like animals, disgusting. Xanthiel is resting but he will do as instructed tonight. Do you wish to capture the person offering the bounty or are we to kill any who come to meet Xanthiel? 
Ares had given this much thought during the night, and was sure with his answer. We will capture and interrogate him on sight. Once we've finished, we dispose of them both. If he can be tempted by a measly one thousand gold pieces, I don't want him in my ranks. He was a good solider too. I just don't understand it. My men have never strayed. I will now have to rethink and reevaluate all of them. We cannot have complications at this stage. My liege, what of the other three generals? We have some information as to where they may be located, however we have yet to make contact with them. I can only hope they are still out there to find. If they are like me, they are too hard to kill and too ornery to die. They will come, my prince. I had dreams about coming home and then to get Lin's message, well I knew it was time to return then. Ares nodded, looking towards the wide bay windows. Too ornery indeed, I seem to remember a few of them coming back from the brink of death just despite the physicians. He let out a low laugh at the memory, wishing they were here now. Aye, that they did. I must go check on my men and prepare Xanthiel. After getting a better look at the young miss, I have the perfect solider to play the damsel. He gave a chuckle. Ares raised an eyebrow as he heard the last remark but smirked all the same. I don't know whether to be impressed or disturbed, Karis. Do both, my liege. I just hope it works. And now I must go. Of course, good luck, General. I'll be keeping tabs on the progress of our little outing dot. As will I. Karis bowed low, saluted, and marched smartly from the room, his mind already turning to the problem of tonight's meeting. The day had gone by swiftly but quietly. Lelandra didn't mind. After her experience with the solider the night before, she was more than happy to stay in her room, being obedient for a change. She ate her meals in her room and when the late afternoon sun bathed her in its warmth, she fell into a restless sleep. I know this place, Lelandra thought, but she wasn't sure how. I know I'm dreaming too, but why? She peered around the room, trying to figure out how she knew this place. Slowly she walked around the huge room, looking for a way out but finding none. She was completely enclosed in. I will not panic. There has to be a reason why there is no door. A voice from behind startled her, causing her to turn sharply. Only to see a woman who looked almost exactly like herself an older version of herself in far stranger clothing but still. You seem surprised to see me, Lelandra. I would have thought you would have learned to remember your dreams by now. She blanched, her hand going to her mouth. Tears formed in her eyes. Mother? The word was a faint whisper in the quietness of the room. She couldn't believe her eyes. Her mother stood before her, in perfect health, with that familiar loving look of concern that she always had when she and Lelandra had been alone. No, this cannot be. You, you died. As perceptive as ever I see. She smiled a moment and moved to lounge sofa in the center of the room. Sitting down she lightly patted the cushion beside her. Come sit. We have much to catch up on and time is short. Father is dead. Lelandra blurted out and then blushed. She nervously twined her fingers in the fabric of her dress, a habit her mother had often chided her about but that she couldn't seem to help, especially when she was very nervous. Her mother gently took her hand in hers, holding it softly, but firmly. I know, dear. I cannot say that I regret his passing. That man was not worth it in the end. There are many things I have seen. In time you will realize how to do this also. I don't understand. You're going to leave me again, aren't you? This isn't real, any of it? Lelandra clutched her mother's hands tightly, willing herself not to cry. In a way you are right, my child, but also you could not be farther from the truth. My spirit is always with you, my darling, closer than you think. I am confused, but it does not matter. I want to savor this moment. Oh, mother, I, please. Strange things are happening to me and to those that I low, care deeply for. You were always very wise. Please, I need your wisdom now. As always, my child, tell me, what troubles you? When Beast saved me from the wolves, he was hurt. I couldn't lift him, and I needed help. I heard a voice that told me to imagine Lin, and that I would say Beast. And it happened, Mother. And there was the fire that came from my hands to scorch the wolves who dared attack my beast. Mother, how did I do these things? You spoke of such things in your bedtime stories. Magic, you called it. But you said it did not exist. Then how is it that I saved him? How is it that the venom from the Black Rose did not hurt me like the man who attacked me? I have so many questions and no answers, Mother. All will come in good time, my dear. I shall explain the basics to you first. You are correct to assume magic does not exist. It was a simple name to give a complicated power. 
What you have, what we have, is the power of the earth beneath us. The power to give life and create great events. The fire from your fingers was but a fraction of that ability. Lelandra's eyes widened but she stayed silent, taking in all her mother's sayings. Later she would analyze them and keep the lessons close to her heart. Come my child, you must watch and learn. Gently she took Lelandra's hand and led her toward the wall closest to the fireplace which was transforming from brick into a shiny mirror. Oh. Lelandra froze but was forced forward when her mother pulled her to it. Look into its depths, remember how it feels to fall into it. Watch your beast and his men as they seek to find the truth. Remember, the earth will aid them if you so will it. Yes, mother. Lelandra stammered and turned her attention to the mirror's surface which had begun to swirl. She saw colors twist into combinations and then she was falling. Kara's critically eyed Ashitan. The young man was slender like a woman, and just as wily. They had put him in a woman's dress, gave him a bosom and applied makeup. Ashitan had taken the teasing of his fellow soldiers in stride, proclaiming proudly that it was an honor to serve his liege. Karas laughed and looked at Lin. Your old uniform suits you well, old friend. What do you think of my handiwork? He gestured to the now-finished Ashitan, who fluttered his lashes at Lin. Lin couldn't help but chuckle at the young man and raised an appraising eyebrow. I think perhaps he should not stray into town tonight until he has changed. I don't think the local dog chasers will appreciate finding out he's more a mutt than a bitch. The soldiers laughed, and Ashitan smiled. They would find out this mutt has a bad bite. But we'd best get going if we are going to trap those who choose to attack our prince. Here, here. Everyone has their orders. We await our prince. The soft beat of leathery wings was heard above them for a moment before Ares landed nearby, the soft thud of his great weight connecting with the firm soil beneath him. My prince. Karas dropped into a deep bow, his men doing the same. We are ready. Ares took in the vision of disturbing beauty that Ashitan had become. Very well, General. Let us find and greet our special guests with the utmost haste. You have your orders. Move out. Kara's grin turned feral as he and his men headed into the forest. Lin turned to Ares. Be careful, my prince. He turned and winked at Lin, his fangs glinting a little in the dim light as he seemed to smile. Aren't I always? With that said, his muscles heaved as he launched himself into the night air above, following the path of the general below. Lin snorted and hurried into the woods after Kara's group. They made good time and arrived early. Xanthia was shaking but still at a glare from Karas. You know what you have to do. Do not fail our prince. Ashitan, do your best. Everyone else spread out, keep hidden, do not strike until our prince commands it. Yes, sir. With quick and quiet efficiency they got into position. Lin joined Karas as everyone settled in to wait. In the clearing, Ashitan sat loosely bound with the nervous Xanthia by his side. There was a barely audible flutter above them, yet those in on the trap knew that it was no bird but something much more dangerous. The great hunter's eyes watched carefully from above, gleaming with anticipation of the event to come. A few snaps and pops heralded the arrival of the prey. The man, burly and scruffy, stopped a few feet from Xanthiel and Ashitan. Well, boy, I can't believe you came through. Xanthiel stood up slowly, his voice wavering slightly. Oh, of course I did. I said I would, didn't I? The visitor's eyes narrowed. What's the matter, boy? Scared of the forest? Well, you shouldn't be. Did the girl put up much fuss? A little, but I taught her who was in charge. He clenched his fists a little to stop them trembling. The poison was making his muscles ache terribly, and it was difficult to stay focused. The man leered. Well, I'm impressed that a young whelp like you had the balls to lay a hand on the prize. But my buyer doesn't care. He just said alive. Which means, I've got a few minutes to play. The man reached down and grabbed his crotch and made a lewd thrusting motion at the pair. We can fuck her together, if you like? No. I mean, no, that's fine. I've had my fun with her already. You, come here. He motioned for Ashitan to come over to them. Your loss. Here. He tossed the bag with the gold to Xanthiel. Ashitan came to his feet and reluctantly plodded over, face down, hair obscuring him from the visitor's view. Xanthiel stepped to the side, away from the disguised young man, keeping far from the man who had given the bounty. He did not want to be close to what was to come. Ashitan stopped a foot away and pretended to cower. The man laughed and reached forward, snagging one of Ashitan's arms and yanking the younger man to him. Ashitan kept his head bowed. You are so tiny, maybe that's why the beast didn't sacrifice you. 
His loss, my gain. My employer will be thrilled. After all, you remind him of something he lost long ago. Now enough talking. Time for some screaming. The man ripped open the bodice and leaned down to get a taste of the breasts beneath. He was however met with the feel of a long, thin, razor-sharp cold blade pressed to his throat. What he thought at first were breasts were nothing more than a couple of stockings and a hairy chest. The one feminine-looking victim was smiling now as Ashton raised his head, looking directly into the man's wide eyes and smirked. Oh, on the contrary, I think we have just begun to talk. The man glared. What trick is this? He demanded of Xanthiel, though his eyes never left Ashton's face. Xanthiel looked terrified now, a shadow coming across the clearing, the sound of leathery wings filling the night air. I, I had no choice. The man started to sweat when he heard the fear in Xanthiel's voice. He was prepared for this. He let out a long whistle. That would bring the men that Discius had given him to help with the capture of the girl. In a heartbeat Ashton had swept the man before him off his feet, driving him into the ground, knocking the wind from his lungs. Now, now, don't spoil the party. Too late, girl man. The man sneered as fifteen armed soldiers entered the clearing. Several had bows but most had swords. You have your orders. Kill the beast and those that follow him. The lead solider shouted as they charged Ashton and Xanthiel. Their charge, however, was cut short as Karas and his men shot up from their hiding spots, blades at the ready. Oh ho, it seems like quite the gathering, my blade is hungry for some fresh meat. Karas was a terrifying visage, his scarred and aged features made all the more horrible by the chipped and serrated blade held before him in his hands. The opposing soldiers simple sneered and charged Karas and his men. Death to the beast lovers! It was at that point that Ares chose to land, crushing two archers as he did so. Karas and his men knew not to waste an opportunity, and so leapt into battle with the opening this provided. Get him! The leader snapped as he headed for Ashton and the bounty hunter. The remaining soldiers began battling Kara's men with gusto, wounding several. Lin chose his targets carefully, coming in and killing an enemy. He was far older than Kara's men and had to be more careful. Ares roared and slashed any man that dared to challenge him, the night air becoming a bloodied scene of death and agony. Behind Lin, one of the fallen enemies was still alive, drawing a dagger as he slowly rose. In the room, Lelandra stared at the mirror, fear riding her heart. Beast! She whispered glad to see that he was doing fine. But then the mirror's view shifted and she saw the enemy coming toward Lin. No! Lin, look out! She screamed. The enemy soldier staggered toward his feet. He would take down that beast lover. He gathered his failing energy and charged Lin. The fallen soldier moved in what seemed like slow motion. Ares caught sight of him, but it was too late. Lin turned at the last second, his sword slicing through the air, but he could only gasp as the dagger was plunged into his abdomen. The soldier did not last long. The momentum of Lin's blade cleanly lopped off his head, sending it tumbling through the undergrowth. All fighting in the clearing stilled as the men looked in shock at Lin. Kara's hoarse shout rang through the sudden quiet as he ran his opponent through and ran to Lin. Lin! Lin! The rest of the enemy were quickly felled, the opportunity not missed. Lin's breathing was shallow, spitting up blood as he tried to apologize to Kara's for his mistake. Hush, old friend. You need help, serious help. Where is the nearest wise woman? There is no wise woman left. She attempted to kill both Lin and myself some time ago. She lives no longer. Ares knelt down by his old friend taking his hand in his large furry blood-splattered paw. Lin. We cannot move him, my prince, for it will surely kill him. I'm sorry. Karas bowed his head in regret. A queen turned Lelandra from the mirror again, the image fading from sight. You have a chance to save your friend, my child. Will you take it? Lelandra was frantic. Yes. Anything. Please just tell me what I need to do. She clutched at her mother's arm. First of all, you must calm yourself. Clouding your mind will only make it harder. She gently placed her hands on her daughter's shoulders. Picture in your mind the earth itself, the ground beneath your feet. Reach out and touch it, feel it, let it guide you to your friend. See yourself taking him in your arms and lifting him up, moving him through time and space. Lelandra nodded and closed her eyes. At first nothing but then she felt the gentle stirring of her mind and senses and then, yes. Connection as the earth sang a greeting to her. Tears rolled from beneath closed eyelids as she wept in joy. 
but she could not stay to bathe in the happiness of the earth. Instead she called to mind the image of Lin, the man who had guided her since she first arrived, Lin, who she cared for as the father she never had. She moved so fast and then. Lin was growing weaker as the pain roared through his body. He was such a fool. He should have been faster. Lin! He shook his head. For one moment he thought he heard Lilandra calling his name. That was impossible. She was safe in the castle, away from the carnage. My prince! His breath wheezed. Please, be gentle to the youngness. I do believe there is love there. Save your strength, Lin. Don't try to speak. We'll get you to help, don't worry. I'm sure there will be a wise woman along in a minute. Tears rimmed his eyes as he watched his friend slowly slip away. He could hardly bear to watch him go, but he had to. He owed him that much. Lin! The voice was faint in the air. Did you hear that, my prince? They are calling me. Lin's eyes began to glaze. Karas felt tears on his face. He did not care if his men saw him weep. Lin was and always had been an extraordinary man. His loss would be devastating. Ares slowly nodded. He couldn't hear anything, but he would agree to whatever his friend said. When the time came, everyone heard strange things. A breeze stirred the leaves as a hum filled the air. It grew louder and a loud pop rocked the air. Branches flew about and the ground shook. The men around the clearing shielded their eyes. Karas instinctively covered Lin as whatever event happened around them. Ares looked around, the dust beginning to settle as he tried to make out who it was. Then the scent hit him. How could it be? Lilandra. Beast? Lin? Lilandra's hair had come unbound and flared out, stirred by an invisible wind. Her white gown and emerald green eyes were focused on Beast. Where is Lin? Please, I must help him. She moved and the magic of the moment was broken when she ran to Beast's side. Where is he? I know they hurt him. I have to save him. Karas slowly sat up when he heard her voice, confused. Girl? How on earth did you get here? No time. She spotted Lin, ran past Beast and fell to her knees at Lin's side. No dying, Lin! She ordered and then looked up at the sky. Mother! Now what? She tilted her head, a frown on her lovely face. Karas looked hopelessly at Ares. My prince? There was soft laughter on the wind as it began to blow a little harder, a quiet whisper heard, barely audible. But to Lilandra it was as clear as day. Reach out to the earth, bring its energies forth and give him new life. Yes, mother. Lilandra's eyes focused fully on Lin and she put one hand on his abdomen, the other above his heart. I will not let you die, Lin. She smiled serenely and her eyes began to glow. The remaining soldiers gasped. Some prayed to the gods and others backed away from the general, the prince, Lin and the witch girl. Lilandra saw none of it. Her concentration was complete as she opened herself to the joyous harmony of the earth. The glow in her eyes matched the glow of her hands. Along the ground vines crawled and wrapped around Lin's arms and legs. Lilandra's breath changed and sweat dotted her brow but still she did not move. Lin could only gasp as he felt something strange flow through his body, the pain stopping, subsiding, to be replaced by a warm safe glow inside him. Ares and Karas couldn't believe what they were seeing. It had been decades since something like this last happened. Not since the war. Slowly the glow disappeared and with a weak gasp, Lilandra slumped over Lin unconscious. Karas immediately checked her pulse making sure she was alright. Seeing Karas had the situation in hand, Ares turned and glared at the man who had issued bounty. He felt his need to kill slowly rising. Lin cradled Lilandra to his chest. Amazing. He whispered but then his gaze went to his prince. My prince, we need to get Miss Lilandra back to the castle. We can interrogate the vermin there. He sneered. Ares nodded silently, containing his anger. You are right, Lin. Let us have a polite conversation with him where it is safe. Make sure he doesn't fall down too many holes. He turned and walked over to Lilandra and Lin. I think you two might need a ride home. Carefully Lin stood. She is a miracle, my prince. But this also raises many questions about her parentage. Best left for another day. He mused. We are ready, my prince. Prince Ares, I and my men will return. We will also bring along our original traitor for he still needs to be dealt with. Ares nodded as he wrapped his arms around Lilandra and Lin, holding them close. Excellent work, Ashitan. General, before you return with the bounty hunter, execute our traitor. Without another word he gathered Lin, who still held Lilandra, into his strong forearms. 
He grunted as he lifted off into the air, careful not to move too quickly in case someone lost their grip. Karas watched as Ares headed for the castle. He and his troops turned to the cowering Xanthiel with feral grins on their faces. They advanced on him and soon shrieking was heard followed by the gurgle of a dying man. Falsa stood in front of the magic seal mirror that General Dischius had managed to find. He wasn't sure how his commanding officer even knew where to get one, and he didn't ask. His current job was to monitor the progress of the bounty hunter they had paid to find the girl. In disgust he watched as first the bounty hunter, then the soldiers fell to the beast and his men. Dischius was not going to be pleased. He covered the mirror after watching Xanthiel's death and headed for the general's tent. Dischius sat in his tent brooding, the whore he had taken last night had given him something nasty, and the itch was driving him mad. That idiot wise woman had told him the salve would stop it. He made a mental note to have her killed later that week. Falsa cleared his throat and then entered, dropping to one knee. They were in the village Enya where resentment and hatred of the beast was plentiful. My lord, I thought I told you to watch the capture of the girl, Falsa. Is your attention span that short? He snapped. The itch had made his temper short and dangerous. I was watching my lord but we have encountered a problem. He kept his head lowered, not wishing to provoke his commanding officer. What? What problem? He stormed up to Falsa and grabbed him by the lapels. You said he would not fail. He is the best in this area at what he does. How was he to know that Kara's man would do a double cross and that the beast prince himself would be there aiding in the fight? You have seen Ares in action you should know he is not as stupid as some think. He dropped Falser and turned away, growling. If he has failed then tell me how this managed to occur. The bounty hunter convinced one of Kara's soldiers, a young man by the name of Xanthiel, to capture the girl. The young man was greedy for the money offered. At some point between the agreement and today, the young man turned on my bounty hunter and set a trap. Our soldiers might have been enough but the beast made the difference. And there was something else. Your tone is dark falser. What is it you speak of that brings such concern? The prince's right-hand man, Lin, was injured and dying. However, he was saved. Falser hesitated, not sure if he should say the rest. He had seen it but still not believed it. Saved? By what? A wise woman. I thought the last had been killed by that monster. Falser's head came up then, and he looked his commander in the eye. It was the girl who saved Lin. She, she healed him by laying hands on him. Discius frowned and paused, his eyes widening for a moment before he began to smile. So, she has discovered her abilities. She truly is. Her. Daughter then. We must move soon, Falser. If we wait too long she will unlock powers that could turn the tide of this war. We will muster our forces and attack in the summer. Yes, my lord. Over half of this village's men are eager to wage war on the beast for over the last seven years many of their daughters have been sacrificed to him. Excellent. Begin their training. When the time comes the battle we wage will be won for the ages. Falser thumped his fist over his heart, eyes gleaming with anticipation. Chapter 18 Lin glanced down at the unconscious Lalandra and marveled yet again at the power she had displayed. He was amazed yet disturbed by the implications of what this would mean for his master's relationship with the young woman. Ares glided in quietly through the open balcony doors, landing gently with his two passengers in his arms. He set Lin down before moving to his bed, laying Lalandra down so she could rest. I think you could do with some rest as well, old friend. I will watch over her for now. I'm too worked up to sleep. Besides, we must figure out what to do about her power, my prince. So far it seems she has used it only when the situation requires it. Such as saving our lives. Perhaps she could be of use to us in the coming months, healing the wounded and such like. Lind remaced. I hate to think of her being stuck in the middle of all this. She is so young, my prince, though I do believe her heart is generous. Her courage though, well, I do not think it could hold up during a war. Not everyone's does Lin, but we must remember that even the most hardened of troops were once naive young boys. People harden eventually. True, but do you want her to get that hardness? Remember what happened to another young woman whose heart became hard. She cursed you into the form you now bear. True, but her sister did not. Her sister was quite the opposite of that wretched sea witch. Ares paused for a moment as he thought about something. She seems to resemble her quite closely, doesn't she? Lin sucked in a breath. He had wondered when Ares would make the connection. Yes, she does, my liege. 
Do you think it is possible? Anything is possible in, but the question is, when did she find time to have a child? And more importantly, how did she end up here? Well, if I believed in the triad of elements, I would say it was that power that brought Miss Lalandra to us. As to when a queen found time to have a child, I can't say. I did not even know she was married. Obviously it was out of wedlock, but I can't see her having allowed that beast Victor to have come near her, let alone touch her at all. Perhaps Lalandra was adopted? Lynn shrugged. We won't know unless we ask Miss Lalandra. He glanced over at the slumbering young woman. I think she'll be asleep for several more hours. Indeed, she looks exhausted. I doubt I will get much sleep tonight myself after what has happened. He stood up, slowly pacing back and forth in front of the window. I do believe General Kara's and his men will be a while in coming back. Lin had seen the gleam in Kara's eyes as they were flying away. The good general would be short one man and possibly have more information on who was after Lalandra. I would be disappointed if they did not take their time, Lin. Xanthio betrayed his commander after all. The man who took him in, protected him and made him a real man. Such betrayals come with harsh punishments. Would you like me to put her back in her room? And do you have any wounds I should look at, my prince? Ares quietly walked over to the bed gazing down at her, a slight smile gracing his features. No, there's no need to disturb her sleep. I'll watch over her tonight. It's getting close to my time to change anyway. She still hasn't figured out the connection, has she? My prince, I hope for so much, but at the same time I worry that she will fail you. If it is meant to be then it will be so Lin. You know that as well as I, we cannot force such things to happen. If we try then it is guaranteed to go wrong. Yes, my prince. I'm being foolish. Just blame it on an old man's fears. Now I'll go and check on our food stores. Good night, my prince. He nodded towards Lin as he left, looking out from the balcony as the moonlight slid across his body, the change beginning. He grunted in pain, clutching his ribs as his body changed forms, letting out a low roar which slowly changed into a suppressed scream. Ares once again became human. Lilandra groaned and slowly opened her eyes. Disoriented, she let out a yelp when she saw a nude man by the window. Wildly, she looked around for something to hit the intruder with. Gasping, he stumbled into the bathroom, hidden by the shadows. He groped around and quickly pulled a bathrobe around himself to keep his modesty. He took a moment before popping his head out. It's okay, it's me. My lord Ares! She squeaked, scrambled from the bed and dropped into a curtsy. No, no need for that, my lady. Please, continue resting. Just pretend I'm not here. Oh, I oh. She wrung her hands nervously. Pretend he wasn't there? How did he expect her to do that? She was aware of his muscular body. She felt her face heat. But right on the heels of that thought came an image of Beast and his kind eyes. Startled, she sat down and pondered this new thought. He slowly walked out of the bathroom and sat down in the comfy chair by the bed. His face was fresh with scratches and small cuts. I heard about what happened at the ambush. Oh? She dropped her head and stared at the floor. She wasn't sure if he was going to scold her or praise her, and she wasn't sure if she wanted either one. I'm glad you were there to help Lynn. I don't know what we'd have done if he'd passed away. Thank you? Lilandra squirmed. It was nothing. I mean, it was something, just that I, shutting up now. She grew quiet, ashamed at her inability to tell him her feelings. He smiled a little and gently took her hands in his. I understand. You don't have to explain anything to me. He looked up into her eyes with his own big brown deep eyes. You are so beautiful, Lilandra. You keep saying that. You're embarrassing me. She blushed and looked into his eyes. They were so familiar. It teased the corner of her mind but like water it slipped away. It's true though, you have an amazing body, a perfect face and an incredible mind to go with it all. If I had such a mind then why do I keep falling into trouble? Bitterness this time at herself made her cry angry tears. We all fall into trouble, Lilandra. Motioning to his own cut face he spoke again. I wasn't exactly the most careful person in the world tonight either. She gasped and hurried to his side. Who hurt you? Oh, it was nothing serious. I just got a little careless walking through the woods tonight. I tripped and fell down a ditch. I'm fine. Gently she touched his face. He wasn't bleeding and she sighed in relief. She was puzzled that she wasn't more concerned and she frowned. He gave her hands a gentle squeeze as he looked into her eyes. Something troubles you, Lilandra? She blushed. No, nothing important. 
I, I feel lost. I thought I understood who I am but tonight, well now I'm not so sure. His thumbs gently rubbed the back of her hands, his skin feeling much softer than she expected, a tingle crossing her skin as he did so. Tell me about it. She glanced at him and looked away. She wanted to tell him but it didn't feel right. He wasn't the one she really wanted to speak with. An image of Beast popped into her mind and she suddenly felt guilty for being intimate with Ares. She abruptly pulled her hands from his and stood up. I'm sorry. I really should get back to my room. He stood up, unsure of why she was reacting like this. Lalandra, what's wrong? Did I do something to offend you? In his haste to stand he did not notice his robe slipping open slightly at the front. At his tone she raised her eyes and froze, her gaze sliding down to his penis. She blushed, and flustered, hastily averted her eyes. Yes he had taken her virginity, but he had never come back to her bed after that. She had wondered in the beginning if she had done something wrong. But if the hardness of his cock was any indication, then he was still interested in her in that way. It was all so confusing. He saw her blush and at a gentle breeze from the open window, realized what she had seen. His mind told him he should stop, but his lust, pent up for months, now overpowered him. He took a step forward, the robe opening wider as he approached her. You've been lonely, haven't you, without the caring touch of a man upon your body? He reached out, gently caressing her cheek. You need not fear me, Lalandra. I wish to only please you. Aye. Timidly she came forward and kissed his lips. He tenderly returned the kiss, cupping her cheek, parting his lips slightly, his firm tip brushing against her dress, pressing against her abdomen. Uncertainty filled her but she continued. She had started it with the kiss and mother had always told her to never be a quitter. She ran her fingers lightly down his arms, still too shy to take her hand lower, as she deepened the kiss. He gently pushed her backwards until the door prevented them from going further, his free hand roaming across her stomach, up towards her firm pert young breasts. With growing desire, he cupped it firmly, squeezing it between his strong fingers, feeling her nipple grow erect beneath his touch. Aries, she breathed, her eyelids fluttering closed as she enjoyed the sensation. Please, more. He nodded, his breathing getting heavier as he took her hand, guiding it down to his hot, hard shaft before letting his robe fall away from his body fully. His hands worked deftly, freeing her from her dress, allowing it to join his robe as it pulled on the floor around her long, slender legs. Her fingers slid around his shaft, and slowly she started to move it up and down. She had heard from her sisters-in-law crude conversations that men liked this sort of thing. A shiver ran through him, a low groan of lust coming from him, much like the sounds she had heard her brothers make, so obviously she was doing something right. His hands slid up along her bare hips, across her stomach to her exposed breasts, cupping them once more, teasing her nipples between his thumb and forefinger. Oh! That heat in her belly was starting to pull lower toward her cunt. Her heart was beating faster. She threaded her hands into his long hair and gentle tugged. His head followed the direction of the tugging, his lips fluttering across his skin with butterfly kisses. Down her slender neck and shoulders, slithering across the warm soft slope of her breasts before capturing one her erect buds in his mouth, suckling upon it, teasing her every so often. Ares! She arched toward him, her body demanding his touch. She felt, she didn't know what it was but it made her want him to touch her everywhere. She moaned and shifted her stance to give him better access, her hand was still stroking him but only just, so caught up in her pleasure that she forgot about him. After what seemed like an eternity of teasing to her sensitive nipples, his lips finally traveled lower across the plains of her stomach till they finally arrived at the trimmed forest of her pubic hair. His tongue, writhing like a snake, swiftly slithered though its foliage till it found its prize. The tender, aching button of her clitoris. His hot breath blew over her sensitive nub, teasing her once more before his lips enclosed it, surrounding it in the hot wet warmth of his mouth. She moaned louder, and her legs almost gave out. She put her hands on his shoulders to support herself. He purred into her wet center, the vibrations humming though her throbbing clit. He slid his hand along her inner thigh, caressing her skin as he went. As he reached her opening, her stroked his fingers along her moistening lips, feeling them bloom like petals beneath his touch, before sliding a finger inside her. Ares! She felt fire race through her veins and she was suddenly very wet. Her eyes were open and she panted. He purred once more, working his finger in and out of her depths, adding a second finger as he felt her open before his touch. Is it supposed to be like this? 
She gasped, wriggling as his fingers plunged in and out of her. He removed his face from her dripping pussy for a moment to nod. Oh yes, and more. He captured her clit in his mouth once again, flicked it with the tip of his tongue. He curled his fingers forward, feeling for and stroking the spongy rough flesh of her G-spot. Lelandra braced herself against the door. She couldn't feel her legs only the pleasure from between them. She wanted him inside her, wanted him to make the raging fire cool down. As if reading her mind, he withdrew his fingers and swept her up in his arms, carrying her over to the bed. He laid her down on the soft silken covers, spreading her thigh as he slid between them. Gently he pressed the head of his cock against her opening, letting it slip in a millimeter at a time till only just the head was inside. Softly he whispered, Are you ready? Yes, please. I need you. He smiled lovingly and let his hips push forward into her blazing depths. She was as tight as he remembered, her young walls squeezing him firmly as he pushed deeper inside her, moaning softly as each thick inch entered. She looked at him, into his eyes and his eyes reminded her of something, something that once again eluded her. She rocked her hips, demanding that he move within her. He laid his arms alongside her, supporting his weight as his hips began to move slowly back and forth, taking his time, savoring this precious moment. She whimpered, wanting him to quench the fire of passion not prolong it. Aries. She gently complained, once again rocking her hips, trying to quicken the pace. Sure, Lalandra, good things come to those who wait. Enjoy it. He leaned down, gently kissing her neck, nibbling at her skin as he let out a low, almost feral growl. At his growl she froze. Guilt hit her then as she realized why she felt unsatisfied. Though Ares was making love to her, it was not him she wanted to be with. Shocked, she realized that she wanted Beast. Beast, whose sad eyes and tenderness had won her over. Beast, who kept her safe at cost to himself. True Ares had saved her and had taken her virginity, but he didn't know her. Stop. She whispered. His hips began to move faster, driving into her with determination now. His lust was growing quickly, his pent-up need rearing its head. Ares, stop. She pushed against his chest, suddenly furious with him and herself. Don't. It's not you I want. It took him a moment to realize she was telling him to stop. He frowned confused. You can't be serious. Not in the middle of. You can't be serious. She covered her face with her hands and started crying. I'm sorry. I, I thought, but I can't. I'm so sorry. He sighed quietly and laid his head down against her shoulder, still panting from his exertions. This was not a good turn of events. As a human a case of blue balls was bad enough, but as the beast, he would have to go out tonight and satisfy his lust elsewhere. It's all right, Lelandra, really, it's all right. Stop crying, please. Slowly her sobs quieted and she looked up at him, eyes red and swollen. I'm so sorry. She whispered. I. She stopped and her gaze skittered away from his. She didn't know how to explain it. It's fine, Lelandra, really. He slowly withdrew from her sign quietly as he slid off the bed and tied his robe around himself once more. He stumbled slightly as he felt a twinge of pain run through him that he knew all too well. I'm sorry, I have to go. He pulled open the door and quickly disappeared down the dimly lit corridors, leaving Lelandra alone in the darkness of Ares' bedchambers. Wait. She yelled but he was already gone. I'm such a fool. She whispered. Upset at her behavior and angry at herself for hurting his feelings, she left the bed, haphazardly threw on her clothes and fled to her room. She locked the door and flung herself on her bed and cried herself to sleep. Karas and his men finally returned to the castle with the bounty hunter in tow. The man was securely trussed up. Xanthiel's body they left in the woods for the forest creatures to devour. The steady stomp of their boots on the cobblestones was loud and alerted the castle's inhabitants to their arrival. Hi, Lin, we have returned. Lin stopped before the doors and pointing at their boots. I know you haven't been walking miles general but I have just finished the floors and I will not have your men using them up. Leave your boots at the door, then bring him to the main hall. The master is waiting there, be careful Karas, he is in a foul mood this night, and he will not tell me why. Karas grunted and then barked an order that had all his men scrambling to remove their boots. He had two of his more burly men drag the prisoner to the main hall. He led the way, walking side by side with Lin. A foul mood? I would have thought he would be happy that we had saved his lady? Indeed he was happy, but something must have happened during his transformation. What puzzles me most is his unwillingness to talk about it. 
Karaz frowned. Our prince always confides in you. This is baffling indeed but it will have to wait. The group had arrived at the main hall and he knocked twice before pushing open the massive doors and stride in. My prince. Karaz dropped to one knee. His two men forced the prisoner down to his knees as they too followed their commander's example. Ares stood at the great fireplace, glaring forward. His needs were distracting him, but he did not want to indulge them. He dared not imagine Lelandra's reaction. Instead he turned around, growling softly. Your late general. So Lin had been right about the liege's mood. My sincerest apologies, sire. The traitor took longer to punish than I expected. Forgive me. I am not in a forgiving mood currently. What have you learned tonight from this maggot so far, general? That he was hired by a man in the north who told him your lady's name and gave him very specific directions on how to find the town near here. The mystery client also gave this hunter money to put out as an enticement. If that is all, General, you may leave us. I wish to speak with this rat alone. As you wish, my liege. Swiftly he rose and left with his two men following. Lin stepped back and decided to watch his prince. I will have to ask Lelandra if she knows what is wrong, he thought before focusing his attention on Ares. That means you as well, Lin. I am in no mood to be disobeyed. Ares flexed his claws, letting them glint in the light before the bound and captive man before him. Shocked, it took Lin a moment to recover. Of course, my prince. He gave the prisoner a pitying glance and quit the room. Ares slowly began to pace around the captive before him, his talons digging into the flagstones, leaving scratch marks. The tension inside him was clear. He needed to indulge his urges, violent, sexual, or destructive. This man was unfortunately going to be the source of his relief. Tell me, boy, how much time do you think you have left in this world? As long as I will it. The bounty hunter arrogantly replied. The smile that came onto Ares' face was something no mortal should ever see. Slowly he reached out with a claw extended, gradually pushing it into the upper arm of his captive. I think what you mean is, as long as your captor wishes it. The man cursed and glared defiantly at Ares. My client said you were an animal. Only in part, the rest of me is something you will get to see this night. You will find that I am not just an animal, but a cruel man by nature as well. He pulled the claw out before moving it down a little and pushing it back in. You see because I can do this all night. You will tell me everything you know. The man began to sweat. I have nothing to tell a beast like you. You are not a man. You are an abomination. Such an observant man. Allow me to let you observe her what I like to call pain. He pressed firmer, the tip of his claw scraping against and digging into the very bone of the man's arm. The bounty hunter screamed in agony. The pain was beyond anything he had experienced before. He would not give in. He was a thief, murder and worse but he had his own sense of honor. He had never given up a client's name. Ever. Just imagine boy you have many, many more bone in your body that I can do so much worse to than this. Think about that before you speak. The man looked at the beast before him and pondered his options. If he spilled his guts the beast might let him live. After all, hadn't the beast said he was a man? Was a client really worth dying for? Fine, I will tell you what I know. The guy who hired me, his name is Falser. He said if I did this job then some general would be pleased. That's it, I swear it. The claw slowly twisted in his arm, ripping the flesh open wider. Are you sure about that, boy? The man screamed loudly and stared in horrified fascination as he bled. Y yes. Oh, I don't think you are telling me the whole truth. What else did he tell you? The claw withdrew again, lightly pressing against the point a little farther down once more, waiting. This time the scream was longer and the bounty hunter almost fainted. He said the general wasn't afraid of a beast and that the girl was magical. He said not to hurt her, that the general wanted her whole. Falsa also said that they would be able to observe me even though he wasn't really near me. How? By what means? The claw pressed into his flesh, the rough claw tearing it open with agonizing ease. The man bellowed his agony and thrashed about trying to get away from Ares. I don't know. I swear it. Ares pulled the claw out. However, instead of leaving him be, he kicked him in the abdomen hard sending him across the room. The hunter's roar of anger ended when he crashed into an oak table and had the breath knocked out of him. Wildly he looked about and staggered to his feet. Ares stalked over to him, flexing his claws, a terrifying glint in his eyes. Well, well, it seems you are made of some tough stuff there. Let's see just how tough you are, shall we? 
Ares lashed out with his claws, he controlled the arc though, so only the tips of his razor-sharp blades sliced along the skin of his chest, leaving five long cuts. The man doubled over, wheezing as the pain licked his flesh and caused him to freeze as he panicked. He had to get away from this evil beast. Ares' smile widened into a feral grin, displaying his needle-like fangs, the same fangs that had ripped apart hundreds of people over the years. Oh little rabbit, there is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. I can't wait until Falsa finds that pretty young woman. He said he was looking for a good fuck and since the almighty beast prince can't get it up and do her, then Falsa will do what a filthy animal can't. The hunter smirked and glared malevolently at the beast before him. Ares' eyes narrowed, his patience wearing thin, but the smirk was still there, that everlasting never-changing smirk. Words will do you no good boy, because you see. You are in my domain now, and your precious little Falsa cannot save you, but from what I've seen so far, I doubt he would no matter what you did for him. You are a lone boy, left to the wolves as it were, and lunch is about to be served. He reached out and gripped the mane by the throat, picking him up into the air. He slowly dragged the tip of his left claw along his victim's inside thigh, drawing blood where it sliced, and opening up his skin, stopping just short of the man's groin. Perhaps I will make you my eunuch and force you to serve me once I remove your legs. The man blanched, hissed from the newest source of pain and then in a fury, spit in Ares' face. Go fuck yourself! The claw flicked down hard, severing the man's left leg at the knee, a dull sickening thud heard as it hit the floor. You first. The hunter squealed in distress and came near to fainting at the sight of his now-detached leg on the floor. You will regret this. That girl can never love a monster. Ares could only smirk as he drew his large paw back, pausing for a moment to let his prey see the final moments of his life. It's too bad you feel that way, because now I have to decorate the walls with your insides. He thrust his claws forwards, spearing into the man's gut, gripping his spine tightly and in one hard, agonizing motion, hauled down with all his strength. The hunter didn't even have time to scream as his life was taken from him. Ares paused for a moment once the deed was done and thought out loud before cursing softly. Lin will have my hide for this. You can't get blood out of silk bed sheets. A sharp knock on the door was the only warning as Lin hurried into the room. He looked about inside. My prince? Ares dropped the bloodied corpse in front of him and bowed his head to Lin. Forgive me, old friend. It seems I have irreparably sullied the bedclothes. The bedding can be replaced. What I don't understand is why this rage. Lin glanced down at the remains and grimaced. I do not wish to pry, my prince but if something has happened between you and Miss Lalandra then I must know so that I can best help you both. I am fine Lin, my irritations have been satisfied, and I am in a much better mood now. Have Karas send up a couple of his men to clean this mess up, it'll do their moral some good to see what we will do to those who threaten our empire. Lin made note that his prince had sidestepped the question. Very well, he would just have to ask Lalandra. Yes, my lord. Will there be anything else? Yes, tell Karas to look up a man by the name of Falser. He is the next step on this road we must follow. Perhaps he can lead us to those who are in charge. As you wish. I will check on you in the morning. Good night, Ares. Lin bowed and quietly left the room to do his prince's bidding. The prince nodded slowly before turning and walking towards the balcony. With a hard beat of his wings he launched himself out into the cool night air, enjoying the breeze flowing over his fur. Lin decided to first go downstairs and let Karas know about Ares' order, and then he would go see Lilandra. It took him a moment, but then he found the general. Karas, a word with you. Karas looked up from piece of cooked meat he had been sneaking slices from and quickly put the lid back on, hoping Lin hadn't spotted him. Hastily he turned away a moment, and gulped down the last mouthful. Yes, Lin, I was just admiring your, uh, kitchen setup, it's very efficient. Lin chuckled. Karas, you can eat as much as you want. Truly it will not inconvenience anyone. Besides, I'm hungry as well. He pulled up a chair, opened the lid and grabbed a few slices before munching on it. He sat quietly for a moment before speaking his mind. Did you not find our prince's earlier behavior odd? The general relaxed a little and sat opposite Lin, picking up another thick slice and taking a bite from it as he thought about it. In all honesty, Lin, it has been many years since I last saw our prince. I would not know if his behavior is strange or not. Life changes people in unexpected ways. Perhaps this is simply his way of working through his problems? From the screams I heard earlier, he seemed to be quite enjoying himself. It was quite similar to the way he worked through his parents' death, 
only less mass genocide this time. Lin rubbed his jaw and pondered all angles. I think it is something else that set him off. He worked some of his anger off on the hunter. And we got a name from it. Falser. That's who the hunter said hired him. Karaz paused a moment, the name pricking up his attention. Falser did you say? Now there's a name I have not heard in some years now. I have a feeling I know the man he speaks of. He was a lieutenant for the Water Witch's army, a truly cunning man, never one to be underestimated. You mean he dealt with Zitomira and her ilk? Then this is bad news for us. There aren't many witches left of any of the three bloods that can assist us. Lin paused and thought about Lelander's display of power that had saved his life. Could she have the blood? Oh, there are plenty out there, Lin. There are, however, few who have the ability to tap into the real power of their bloodline. So far the best I have seen from the earth line was a man who could light his cigar with his thumb, nothing more. With water, the best since the war was a farmer who could bring a light rain down on a certain field of corn once a month. It's nothing like the old days. His eyes darkened as he spoke next. Not like the war when every person you fought might have an ability. When men around you burst into flames and the earth swallowed up whole battalions of men, only to be spat out again as your own side countered the spell. Lin shuddered. Those were dark days indeed. It did not help that the prince's parents were killed by a witch. I know that they were not all bad. Many fought on our side. But for the most part witches tended to deal in the darker aspects of their powers. He shook his head. If this falser is one of Zydermyra's people, he may have the power. We need to come up with some plans quickly. I've located Garad and sent a messenger to bring him home. The other two generals are still in the wind. I suspected as much. Albin was never one for staying in one place very long and yearned till. You'd be lucky to find him even if he was on fire. I remember spending four hours looking for him only to find out he was following me around a few steps behind wondering where I was going. Karas smiled slightly and shook his head. It is good that Gotrad is coming home though. We will need his strength and his battalion. Those monsters he calls men are the toughest blockers I have ever met. Yes, Gotrad did tend to get many who were more brawn than brains but that worked well in battles where injuries might be numerous but the solider continued to fight. Men are not like that in this part of the world anymore. Lin sighed. He really needed to go check on the Landra. Not only that but they were skilled earth defense warriors. Every single one of them had mastered stone skin. You could hit them in the head with a battle hammer and they wouldn't even bat an eyelid. He sat back and ate another slice of meat. No one is these days, not since that day the prince ended the war. People are too afraid of those with abilities. They think they'll turn out just like him. And that's not true. Ares' power was sky-based. That heartless witch Sito Mira twisted his power and forced him to his current form. You can only be turned into something else by another witch. You're not born in a monster form. This is why I hate having uneducated people. It makes it that much more difficult to change their wrong thoughts. Indeed, but not only by another elemental user, it has to be your opposite. Sky is weak to sea, sea is weak to earth and earth is weak to sky. I had forgotten the lore. Seven years is a long time. I've been far too busy keeping my prince from going insane. And the number of young women who have died because of his curse, it breaks his spirit. That's why Miss Lalandra is so important. I truly hope she can love him as he is, beast urges and all. Otherwise we are all doomed. Lin sighed quietly before standing up from the table. Speaking of Miss Lalandra, I should go find her and make sure she is alright after last night. I am concerned something may have happened between her and the prince. Karas nodded and stood up also, heading towards the pantry where the ale was kept. Indeed, and I must make sure my stomach receives the proper care it needs. He chuckled quietly and nodded at Lin before disappearing into the depths of the stores. Lin could only roll his eyes at the general before heading out of the warm kitchens to find Lilandra. Chapter 19 Lilandra lay in bed on her back with her arm flung across her eyes. She knew they were red and puffy, but she didn't care. She was still pondering on why she had rejected Ares. She'd seen the hurt in his eyes but she had been too shocked by her own thoughts to properly explain what was wrong. Now he was probably angry, and that was the last thing she wanted. I don't know what to do. The pieces are all there but I'm too stupid to understand. She moaned and fought back a fresh round of tears. The soft knock upon the wood of her door was unmistakably Lin. He always knocked a certain way, as if it were a code. Miss Lalandra? Lalandra tensed. 
Here it comes, she thought. Time to face the music. She sat up. Come in. She didn't move from her spot on the bed. The door opened and the soft tinkle of the china tea set was heard. I thought you might like a cup of tea. You were asleep for a long time, my dear. Yes, uh, thank you. Surprised that he wasn't lecturing her, she stood and came over to the table and sat. Wary, she didn't speak as she watched him set the tray down. He politely began to pour the tea, not saying anything until he was done. He was methodical like that in tense times. Finally, he looked up and asked, I heard some commotion earlier tonight. Did you have a nightmare? I, it's all my fault. Lalandra blurted out and wrung her hands. She didn't want Lin mad at her or Beast. I insulted Beast's friend Ares. I didn't mean to, but I did. Please, Lin, I'm sorry. Lin frowned and sipped his tea a moment. Insulted how? Lalandra turned a brilliant shade of pink before stammering out an explanation. Ares was in Beast's room when I woke and he, we, started to, the bed. But then I said no, and he looked like he was in pain. I see, well he has a bit of a condition with his health. He has to take medication. He must have forgotten it when he was visiting you. Oh. I thought maybe it was because I stopped him while we were. Lalandra floundered, blushed again and finished in a rush. While we were making love. But I realized that he wasn't what I wanted. Even though it felt good, he wasn't who I wanted. She whispered softly, her tone baffled and sad. What? Oh my. Lin was genuinely shocked. If it wasn't him you wanted then, who? Lalandra dropped her head, squirmed, debated and finally opted to say nothing. She simply clenched her hands into fists and let misery and guilt prick her conscience. Lalandra? Are you all right? Lin's hands reached out, gently laying upon hers to reassure her. She trembled and fought with her emotions. She realized in that moment that she cared greatly about Beast. His thoughts, his tenderness and his patience. She wanted to be with him. He made her feel, cherished. I'm fine. I think I need some sunshine. If that is what you wish then I would gladly walk with you through the gardens outside. He was concerned by her quietness. Was she straying from Ares? He silently prayed that it was not so, otherwise all would be lost. Thank you, Lin. She jumped up and ran to the closet to retrieve some comfortable shoes. She came back to his side and slid her arm through his. Outside would be better. She could think and sort out what was going on in her mind and heart. He took her arm through his and laid his hand upon hers once more, guiding her out of her room and towards the entrance to the gardens. Sometimes all one needs is a breath of fresh air and a glimpse of sunshine to brighten their mood and refresh their mind. My mother used to say that too. She said that troubles were like a rainy day and that any cloud must flee before sunshine. Lalandra smiled as she thought of her mother. Her mother was alive, or some kind of alive. Not that it mattered to Lalandra what state. To hear her mother's voice and know that the one person in the world who cared about her still worried about her, made Lalandra giddy with relief. Wise words from a wise woman, I'm sure. The skies are clear today, a nice change from the dreary weather of late. He felt his own mood begin to lift. Indeed it was a nice change to get out into the sun. Lalandra said nothing else until they were outside. The heat of the sun bathed her face and she closed her eyes, soaking it all in. She felt stronger, even calmer. It was like coming out of a dream. Had she really been that silly to run from this place? From Lin? From Beast? She took a deep breath and let it out slowly. She thought about Beast and his kind eyes. Once again something niggled in the back of her mind. She reached for it and found herself rebuffed. Her eyes flew open and she let out a startled squeak. Lin paused mid-step and looked at Lalandra. Miss Lalandra? Is everything all right? I am fine. Maybe I shouldn't have stared at the sun. She hedged. She had never felt anything like that in her mind before. She was starting to wonder if she was going crazy. She needed to talk to Beast. No, my daughter, not yet. Lalandra almost squeaked again and caught herself. Mother? Not yet. Patience. I don't understand. You will. Trust your instincts, my daughter. More confused now than before, Lalandra stared down at the flowers. She wished her life wasn't always about waiting, about patience. Why couldn't it be simple? Lin stood in silence watching her closely. Something was going on but he couldn't quite put his finger on it. It were as if she were listening to someone, but there was no one around them and he definitely wasn't speaking right now. Lin, do you have any children? Oh no, none myself. 
I have always been caring for the master, ever since he was a young boy. That is enough for me, he was enough of a handful by himself. Lin couldn't help but smile a little as he remembered the mischief Ares would get into in his youth. I see. Lelandra saw the warmth in Lin's smile and was a little envious of Beast. Her own father had never looked at her that way. Lin, is there really such a thing as magic? He raised an eyebrow at her, quite surprised at her question given what she had done herself recently. Yes, as you have shown us there is indeed such a thing as magic. But it wasn't me that did it. She protested and wrapped her arms around herself in a tight hug. There's no such thing. I mean, I can't have magic. I'm not special. Lelandra, there are thousands of people who have magic. Many simply have no idea that they do because it is so weak within them. The master himself was once a great sorcerer of sky magics. Sky magic? I do not understand. I know I am young, but father always said there was no such thing as magic. That it was only nonsense tales that mother. Lelandra paused and then continued. That mother told me. She often told me that I was special and that it would all make sense when I was older. And then she died and father taught me that I wasn't special at all. That the nonsense in my head was only good for getting punishments. Well, your father was a liar, Lelandra. Magic does exist and if your feats are any indication then your mother would have been a powerful sorceress indeed. There are three different types of magic in this world. Perhaps after our walk we will discuss it further? Three? Powerful sorceress? Everything was happening too fast. Her stomach rumbled and Lelandra laughed. I guess maybe I should eat? If you wish, young miss. I believe there are still some apples in the orchard that can be picked. That would be good, Lin. I'm sorry my stomach is so loud. She let him lead her to the orchard and selected the biggest apple she could find. She ate quietly for a moment before mustering up her courage to speak. Lin, is there anything that beast likes above all else? I would not know any more, young miss. It has been some years since he has had time. Or the will to indulge in anything relaxing or positive. I do remember that he quite enjoyed art for a time and music. Music? Does that include singing? Lin nodded, looking up towards the slow drifting cloud and bird wheeling overhead in the sky. Yes, from time to time. He tries to do sing sometimes when he bathes, but I made him stop because he kept breaking all the windows with his terrible pitch. Lelandra giggled. Lin. Shyly she looked over at him. I would like to sing for him. Not not tonight. I want, I want to make it special for him. Just him. Can we do it in a day or two, without the new people around? Her heart was racing, yet asking for this moment felt right. A wry grin came over his face. So she really was beginning to fall for Ares. That was a most excellent sign. I will see what I can do. I'm pretty sure I could manage to have the general's men out of the castle for a night. Thank you. I think I should like to go rest for a little while. Lelandra smiled and slipped her arm through Lin's. Yes, it was time she showed Beast some gratitude and she wanted to explore these new emotions stirring in her heart. Soton City. It was another hot, humid day but General Yosaf Gotred did not mind. In fact, he enjoyed the sweat it produced. And of course, training his men also had something to do with his good mood. Seven long years and not a word from his prince, and suddenly a messenger arrives with a pleas from Lin. Gotred did not believe in coincidences. It was time to go home. He heard a grunt and a curse and he looked over at the newest recruits. Three of the ten were siblings, large farm boys with a love of brawling. Clumsy with weapons except for the spiked mace, the three boys Yen, Lan, and San were his favorites. Not that they let it go to their heads. They were extremely shy and the slightest bit of teasing made them blush like a young maiden. Enough! Fall in! He bellowed and watched as his two thousand men scrambled into their assigned units. He looked down at them from the raised dais and smiled. Yes, his men. Fighters all of them and loyal. Today is a good day. Word has reached me that our prince has need of us. We will leave in six hours. Pack all the winter gear and prepare the horses. For our prince. The men chanted and raised their weapons in the air. Gotred pulled free his broadsword and raised it high. Yes, for our prince. He stated and dismissed the troops to get ready. He left the dais and headed for the main compound where the women and support staff waited. He was sure that his trusted personal aides had informed the staff and that they too would be getting ready to travel. He went into the kitchen and spotted Zara and Zanel quietly giving instructions. Godred grinned. 
The day he had saved the thirteen-year-old twins from bandits had been a fortuitous day indeed. Well? Everyone has gone to prepare, sir. We are packed and ready as well. Zara informed him with a saucy wink. Gotred chuckled. Zara was wily and a fast thinker whereas her brother Zanel was quiet and fiercely loyal to his sister and to Gotred. Very good, you two. I appreciate all your help. Go and do whatever else is left. I cannot wait for you to meet my prince. You make him sound larger than life. Zanel pointed out. That's because he is. Now off with you. Yes, sir. Gatred, satisfied that things were proceeding nicely, took a short route back to his quarters. The city he had settled in seven years ago after the disaster with Sitomira had been a small town, constantly harassed by bandits and larger towns. Gatred and his men had helped stave off the town's enemies and had slowly built the small town into a prosperous city. He did not feel bad about leaving. He had no ties here. The closest thing he had to a family was Zara and Zanel, not that he would tell the twins that. He laughed and gathered his meager possessions. Hold on, my prince. I am coming. With one last cursory perusal of his room, Gotred spun on his heel and left. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allow members to request future stories and themes. Links are in the description. Thank you for listening.